Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Tea Time. Today is Wednesday, the 15th of November, 2023, 5pm. Today I got Nate Dog in the Nate house! <laughs> Let's go! I'm a dog. Um, so we were going to watch the Republican debate, the third Republican debate, but um, we kind of recognize the fact that it's uh, irrelevant, so we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> so uh, we were talking about law school and the statistics of law school, and it's it's very fascinating. I don't know. I'm sure there's anal kids out there who do that with a lot of other statistics, but it's fascinating to see how much you kind of you're, – you're, optimizing for i mean not that you can optimize your race or adversity but it is it's interesting to see that optimization of like fuck i gotta compete with this many of this race or like oh no like what's my gpa is it in this percentile versus that one and oh is my major stem enough or is my major history enough or whatever the hell it is just so what like how long did it take you because you've been doing applications for like a year now or thinking about it. So how long did it take you to get from knowing nothing to knowing having all the spreadsheets up and shit? I think it was a blessing in disguise. I didn't really look into the application stuff until I finished my second LSAT. And um, because once I looked at like the application stuff, it's like, oh, if you don't have this grade, you don't have this stuff, you're not getting in. <laughs> like, thank God I looked at that beforehand because it just would have built upon things that I already had. But... So that, um, that was one thing uh, I was wanting to ask earlier. What is, what does law school do? I mean... <laughs> why, why can't somebody just study the laws? You know, why can't some, why can't somebody just watch Judge Judy, read a book about law, and then you're good well, to go? The thing is, you don't really, you don't have to get a, a law degree to, you know, do a lot of stuff in life. I mean, I have friends and family who, you know, had to work with contracts and that you know that usually requires you know attorneys and looking mm. at contracts and all stuff and they obliterate attorneys and their contract negotiations and stuff like that finding loopholes looking knowing the laws and stuff mm. in the relative fields so you don't need a law degree to you know make a contract do a bunch of stuff i mean you can do a bunch of estate planning and stuff like that or whatever without an attorney you can do it yourself but I guess there's some things you can't do if you're not an attorney, but granted, everything an attorney knows, I'm for the most part, I'm pretty sure you can just learn that on your own. I mean, is that's what I'm wondering though, is it is it ability? Is it the sort of like you can teach yourself but it's a lot harder? I mean, I found that just, you know, going through regular undergraduate, especially nowadays, most of the information is online. Most of the answers to yeah. the tests are online. I, but I, I, so yeah, let me interrupt. Like, yeah, so I sat in a couple classes touring schools this cycle and um, in law classes at like, you know, these prestigious schools. And these kids have like hundreds of pages of reading in a week. They're just reading all these case studies, laws, how the laws have been applied, mm-hmm. how, you know, cases have been decided and stuff, how they've been overturned. They're just reading all these, this textbook material and they come to class and they'll spend like the whole class talking about like, you know, rule 50A of like judicial trials or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about like how it applies in like 10 different cases and that's the whole class. So a lot of it is just you covering a ton of material on your own, your professor like kind of clearing up like nuances and highlighting specific cases and saying like, you know, this is unique. How would the laws apply in this case? 
and then getting the student to that point of understanding that and but for the most part I mean you can go buy a bunch of law school textbooks it's like a doctor you can go buy all the doctor textbooks and do everything on your own and stuff like mm. that but you know you don't have a you know there's no piece of paper yeah you don't, you don't have a piece of paper you don't have a medical expert you know, expert looking at you know evaluating a, a patient you. yeah evaluating you you might see a case and be like oh this is a t- typical example of pneumonia but an expert's like no I've seen pneumonia a thousand times and in one case it wasn't pneumonia it looks like this this looks the exact same so no I'm the teacher this is not right this is this unique case what I mean because okay I understand that what would go through the like what are the years of law school, right? How long does law school take? What do you do? Okay, what do you so, do afterwards? Is there a residency? Yeah, so law school is only three years. And um, it's actually crazy now because all the all these schools are just pushing these new... Sorry, this is a side note. Does it have to be three years? Um, I think there's some places where you can do like two years. Like, like for example, there's a, there's a school... I, I can't say. I can't be too specific. Mm. Um, there's a... Oh, he's taking the getting naked sweater off. Oh, and the shirt. Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. Okay, sorry, TMI. But um, there's uh, a specific school. Okay, there's a couple schools, but the schools out there that have these new like six-year degrees with MD and JD, where like mm. law school is cut into two years or you know, like two and a half years, and med school is like three, three and a half years. And so they're shorting. That's my other side note. So many law schools now are pushing these JD MBA programs. You can finish both in three years. JD MBA or JD and MBD? No, JD MBA. So oh. J, JD ND, there's only like a, I think one or two schools that are doing six year programs now, which is crazy. Getting your JD and your and your MD in six years is insane. But equally, I think crazy is that they're having three year programs for. JD and MBA, which is crazy. All these schools are pushing it. I'm applying to these schools, and some of the first options are like, "Oh, do you want to apply for a JD MBA program?" It's like, why all these schools? You why know, not? It's because they're, they're, they're reworking the curriculum so that classes cross count for MBA and law school, so to make it work. And then the summers, I think, you also do MBA classes. But you know, what's the point of like, unless you go? It's just, it's so nuanced. Do that. you think? Yeah, is it is it taking away from the MBA or the JD and is it maybe like a concern because from what I've heard is like the MBA is worth a lot less and less and so now it's like JD it's like you know what here learn a little bit about business because you're probably going to start your own business fuck it. yeah we'll give you let's we'll give, give you a sticker for it. I was I was really thinking about doing it because I, I someone told me oh it's a three-year program for both I'm like what you know I'm a I get affirmation from my academic achievements. I'm like, I didn't want as many degrees as possible. So let me look at this. And I, you know, I spent so much time, you know, sorry, on Reddit, looking at, you know, no need to apologize for Reddit. And <laughs> seeing all these people comment, all these you know, attorneys and stuff. You know, what is it actually beneficial to have both? And everybody says, okay, if you get both, you know, you're primarily practicing law and never use MBA or. You know, if you're using your MBA, you're basically never using your JD. It's only the very few circumstances where I feel like having a JD. But, you know, maybe the only way I can see it like being useful is like if you're a JD and you have an MBA already and you switch into like a corporation or something and work your way up and you become CEO. You know, most CEOs have the precondition. You know, it's prerequisite of having an MBA. You already have your MBA. Boom. There you go. CEO. You know the laws. You can do whatever. But I mean, do you know what an MBA conveys? Because I would think you know if you are especially coming from a top tier school, right? You were talking about you know, these big law firms and people want to become partners, which is like 
the leader, the the CEO uh, of a law firm. So how is well, that different than running a business? Wouldn't that be useful? Well, then? like partners aren't necessarily you know CEOs or necessarily, but um, I just the the overwhelming notion is that you don't need an MBA for anything if you're practicing law. It's like, like it's like I mean like I've. Right, it's a business degree and business is a master's of business administration, I believe. So it's like, what you know, do you not need because a like a law firm is a business if you're running your own law firm, why wouldn't it be useful to? I mean, you can just do it all if you're a lawyer, you can figure out everything. Well, like, I, I feel like at that point, you know, you're smart enough to be able to understand business without yeah, a class, yeah, because yeah. business is a fake degree, yeah. Wait a minute, <laughs> I, 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 I think that's more the 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 notion that's conveyed by most most attorneys that you just you just don't need it. Okay. And I feel uh, from my understanding it's like an extra hundred fifty grand, two hundred grand, or it's something, it's something crazy. So oh, so it's like the undercoating on a car. Yeah. You never buy that bullshit. That's yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm just trying to upsell you. Yeah. It's like oh, you don't want you know bottom plastic you know fenders. You will mm. make it like kryptonite you know matte gold you know yeah. nice material that you never see it's like oh okay i don't need that so what, uh, back to what what does law school do what, what do you do oh yeah so did you want to talk about what you do in your first three years i mean your three years there yeah, what is yeah what is the general sort of plan for law school and what why are you again why aren't you just going monk mode and just learning law on your own okay, right so, besides a piece of paper okay so I'll go, i guess i'll go into my, my understanding of law school itself is so like the first year all the schools i looked at at least your classes are set for you mm-hmm. you have like it's only like five or six classes i don't know if it's the whole year or one semester i think no okay some class some classes like writing seminars the whole year and then you have like five classes the first semester and then five and the next or something it's all the same but you get a diverse array of subjects you have like torts you have um civil procedures you have what's a tort uh, I think it's like <laughs> yeah, you cl- left it out on purpose. The, the class I um, the class I, I sat in, it was kind of I can't describe it. It was just talking. It was just reviewing laws and how they apply to case studies. I think it's like it has to do with like regulations and it's just specific law. That's, okay, okay. Uh, uh, we can we can. Yeah, it's a torts civil procedure. It's a procedure. It's bad. I can't remember the other ones. One of them's writing seminar, and there's like two more. You know, maybe a criminal procedure. I You're think. still taking English class. <laughs> <laughs> You're always taking English class. Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's criminal procedure, and then um, and then maybe one other one. And I don't know what you do the second semester. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe do all of them again at some But you're gen, gen eds of law. Yeah, you're gen yeah. eds. And like for some schools, my understanding is like you're writing a paper this whole time. At the same, same time, you're writing a paper the whole semester to be submitted by, by, by final season. And it's like, like a, not a case study or I think so. Like, but basically, it's almost like a thesis mm-hmm. each semester that you're writing on top of all your classes. Mm-hmm. And you also, I asked some of the students there, they said like their typical day is like, you know, seven o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night. Kind of like you know, probably not as intense as medical school, but still intense. Yeah, it sounds a lot more intense than like. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the jerk off thing where it's like, oh yeah, their lawyers are a dime a dozen kind of thing. Yeah, no, no. If you know, or maybe that's just the top tier schools that have an intense program. Yeah, but yeah, so you know, it seems pretty common that people are spending. You know, you know, one dude said, you know, I work from nine to six every day, and he made it work. So, but that's. That's the oddity, but um, yeah. So pretty intense schedule, thesis paper every semester, same classes, gen eds, and then basically, I guess, kind of similar to undergrad. I'm not similar, but you know what I mean. And um, 
that's the first but then the second year it switches up because you can finally choose the classes you want to take mm-hmm. and that's where like I don't even know you know it's so funny like you spend all this time applying for law school and everything and you know so <laughs> little about it like, I'm, I'm trying to put the pieces together here but, there's, but I guess my second your second year there's like some schools have like a couple required classes but that's where you really get to explore your interests mm-hmm. and there's like 150 classes some of these schools you can pick from so you can pick from like constitutional law health law you can go to like technology and taxes and or irs tax law like there's a whole like all it depends on you know what your institution has to offer mm-hmm. like some of the schools i'm looking at they only have two classes on um like things like uh constitutional law or only two classes on on health law mm-hmm. and the other schools have like 10 mm-hmm. you know and so you really so there are colleges that that specify in certain types of law yeah yeah like it's like uh, i guess i won't won't too specific in some things but uh no yeah so there's definitely a breadth of material to cover your second Mm -hmm. year and then i'm not completely sure your third year works but i think it's similar in that you can um you uh pick your classes and your course load and stuff like that but also during your second year is when you start applying from my understanding again again i'm learning from my understanding, second year you start applying for clinics, mm-hmm. and clinics is kind of like, I guess like medical school. You have residency after mm-hmm. law school, and like you you work in a hospital and whatever, and you're under the guidance of other physicians, and mm-hmm. you're trying to mess things up. You have your degree, but like clinics at law school, like you're practicing law the best you can, but during school, like basically like pro bono work, mm-hmm. and you're working at, and you have to apply to them typically, and so like one of the clinics I was looking at. You like it's with um, the what's it gonna say? Basically, you you volunteer um, like three times a week or something at a clinic, and you provide free legal services for a hospital. And like the attorneys will tell you like what they need, what they need, what they need you to do for them, and stuff like that. So like pro bono work, but that's really common for second year students to do a full year of a clinic. I think sometimes you can do like two, one clinic, one semester, one clinic, another semester. Mm-hmm. And some people, but it's like eighty percent of students do clinics or something. Like mm-hmm. the vast majority. And there's other stuff called like externships. I'm not completely sure what that's about. That's during your second year. You're doing yeah. these clinics. Yeah, so during, you apply during, for the clinics fresh, fresh, fresh year. I, th- I think that's freshman. how it is. I think you apply your oh, yeah. freshman spring or something. But the other thing too is that. Um, Journals. That's the other huge thing about law school. Everyone mm. wants to get into a journal, and which is basically like um, you, like faculty, will write monthly or semesterly like uh, publications on like current U.S. law or developments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Basically, like academic journals, like mm-hmm. science academic journal. But imagine that for law, and like all these schools, you know, they're really like some schools are really well known. Like U Chicago is really well known for some of their uh, academic journals and you, it's like really um really intense and uh how do you call it I'm, my brain's farting selective really selective admittance into mm. these like you have to apply and everything it's really hard to get into these journals and selective even for their own students yeah even for, yeah this, this is specific for your own students but like, so please, out of the like how many students are in a law class like 200 it, yeah on the, big, of, on the big side 500 small side 200 out of these we'll say like 300 students what 10 are probably going to get put in the publication well that's that's Maybe the thing 30 that's the thing it really depends on what law school you go to because mm-hmm. i will really, i really liked when i i visited uva they talked about um how they have like 12 journals or something and it gives like 
over 70% or 50% of class opportunities mm. to be in a journal. And they're all, you know, well, you know, highly respected, you know, good journals to be in. Mm. So there's a lot of opportunities for students to be in journal, even if you don't get into your first one. Like, you could apply to, like, two or three journals and then be, like, I think they said you can be on a wait list. But if you get rejected from all three and there's, like, a journal with an open spot, they'll send the application for you to the other journal to mm. give you a chance to get in. Even if it's not some material you want to cover, but, like, it's important to be in those things. So... Mm. Yeah, so that's, I guess that's a little bit of just, so first year, gen ed classes, kind of basic thesis, stuff like that. Second year, clinics, externships, pick your own classes. It's really like, what are you going to do with your life? Mm. You know, here you go. And third year, okay, yeah, third year is when you're like, people are already applying. I think like, fr- yeah, freshman, I mean, not freshman, for fall of like 3L year, you're like doing all your job interviews, your... Uh, your um on some OCIs on campus interviews for you know V one V ten firms you want to get those top ten firms mm-hmm. and everything people are doing that people are applying for their clerkships people are applying for scholar you know, I mean, but that doesn't seem like school yeah yeah so there's you're still but obviously that's when people still you'll still take your specific courses that you want mm-hmm. but that's when you start like. You're built based off your second year, your third year, you're like, okay, I did these second year courses, I have this knowledge of the law, mm. I'm applying to all these relevant fields. Having met these people, what are they, like, are, are they all just, like, grindaholics? Are these all just, like, fucking the, the asshole? Or not assholes? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the big thing that they talk about these law schools, especially these top ones, is that um, campus culture is really important, and some schools are known for being cutthroat, and, like, people, other people, you know, the mission people at one of the schools I went to but said this other schools students see success as other people's failure people see other people's failure as their success mm. and some schools are like that but there's there's like you know I'm, I'm a little biased here but from my understanding my research and my experience at some of these schools you know um, there's certain schools that are known to have very collegial collegial yeah collegial I said that right right yeah collegial um, cordial cordial it's collegial is it collegial Pause. I know pause, there's the pause, word pause. collegiate. All right, we'll be right back. Collegial. All right, we're back. Give us read us this definition. Collegial. All right, there we go. Collegial. Uh, relating to or involving shared responsibility as among a group of colleagues. Yeah, and so like some schools really praise them on being having collegial student bodies and not having like class ranks and stuff. That's huge. Not having class ranks and specifically like UVA, Duke, Penn and I'm missing Michigan like those five schools are known for being like the five like best student bodies mm-hmm. supporting not super cutthroat it's still intense you know, you're still trying to get good GPAs and everything like that but no five of the best student bodies and then I don't I can't say this for myself but I've heard that Chicago and Columbia are like very very cutthroat mm-hmm. and I don't know which one of those has class ranks but I'm pretty sure like some of them have class ranks and stuff like that, but yeah, very cutthroat, you know, students aren't as nice. People go on Reddit and say, no, CLS, Columbia Law School, you know, we have a really nice student body, and then somebody comment under it, no, I go here, everybody's an asshole. Hey. <laughs> like, so, um, but you don't hear that. Like, a visiting UVA, I... They're not going to brag about being assholes. <laughs> no, like, UVA was, I mean, I can, I can genuinely tell the people that were nice. It was, it was a good vibe. So, yeah, there's... There is that cutthroat. It really depends on the institution you go to. Some are really nice, and some aren't. That's why school choice is important. I mean, you went to a, a competitive undergraduate. When like were people there assholes? Like, did you interact with these people? <laughs> you know, everywhere you go, you'll meet opposite spectrum people. You know, assholes and very nice, nice people. Way to put it. <laughs> you know, oh, oh yeah. I think there's definitely 
it was definitely a lot of cutthroat and not nice people at mm-hmm. my undergrad. At the same time, there were some of the best people I ever met there. And so, is it necessary, or do you think it's it's like? people do it because that's what they think is necessary but really they can just be nice and still succeed i think i think both i think some people just want to see themselves successful no matter what they don't care what happens to other mm. people along the way and some people just have ingrained in them that i have to do this like i, I, I can't mess up like i don't care i'm not gonna give these other people these notes because i need to focus on myself and i need to get the best grade i can or i'm not going to take time to go to the study group because they might distract me and my notes might be more beneficial to them and i could do worse and so. So, so we i you have at least to me once or twice been a self-described grade nazi Yes. <laughs> I don't want to use the term Nazi, but I am very great anti-Semite. How about that? <laughs> I'll say a less profane great anal. I'll great say anal. that. Yes. yes. Um, so, like, what is your... I know it's hard to kind of uh, look at it from, uh, you know, a secondary point of view, but, like, wh- what is it like to be a great Nazi? What is it like to be a great anal? Like, what what is your mentality when you get an assignment are you I have to finish it right now everything has to be exactly perfect like what what is that like I'm definitely what's your mindset I it's weird to say but I'm almost going to autopilot when it comes to my um when it comes to grades and score and stuff like that I'm a big procrastinator but something just always gives me always gives me the motivation the drive to I mean, it's hard to say. It's I would say it really is an ingrained thing. You know, my parents pushing me at a very young age to mm-hmm. do well in school, mm-hmm. and then rewarding me with positive affirmation. I guess you know, positive words or mm-hmm. you know, letting not being less strict with me and stuff like that. I would say that too. Like so you've been trained, like kind of like a dog. I, I'd say almost, <laughs> almost like that. Like it's become trained to not necessarily minimally trained to just ingrained. It's ingrained in me, like. I need any good grades. I don't mm. know why. I don't know. This is what I do, and then when I do this, I feel good. Yeah, like like yeah. kind of like that. Like and I can't I can't afford to not to. And I also have other personal motivations. The older I got, and mm. obviously I built upon it. And then the habits, habits are king. You know, you can, you know, be as smart as the person in the room. You can do whatever, but at the end of the day, habits will get you through life. Mm. And when it comes to academic academic field, like I have a good, I have a pretty good habit habit of doing my work like mm-hmm. i get my work done i don't try to avoid it put it off but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but you just said you procrastinate i do procrastinate, <laughs> I do procrastinate. maybe for procrastinate <laughs> for the average high achiever it, it, but it, for the regular person it, it's interesting like when i say procrastinate like i've never ever like saved an assignment maybe once to like the last day mm-hmm. but i'll procrastinate it to the last possible moment where i know i won't have any more time so like if i have an essay that's doing a month I'll save it to like the last five days and I'll finish it the day before with like plenty of time. That's funny. It's that's, I, I always do that. I always do yes. procrastination. That is, that's my definition I of my life. This is enough time. So I will save it to the last moment that I know I can do this correctly. Yeah. My, my uncle always get on it. I'll get on it. So I'll ask him like, oh, can you just review this? Make sure, you know, see that I make grammatical, grammatical errors in my writing or something on like this big essay. He's like, oh, when does this do? I'm like, oh, two days. <laughs> He's like, when you started? I'm like, three days ago. And yeah, that's just. I think I said was through all of college. Like I really pushed up to the end, but I was always response that, that it's lucky. You know, most you can't get away no, that's with that. A usually, smart. It's you a, can, I like that method. I like that. Yeah, because it's it's it's. You know, I think as a procrastinator myself, but an irresponsible one. It's normally just like 
until the feelings of oh fuck come in <laughs> versus being like all right i know the oh fuck is coming rather than waiting on the oh fuck kind of set an oh fuck time that's a responsible time rather than just waiting for it to come randomly you set your panic you know it's, yeah. it, i like that I've, i very rarely have let my procrastination negatively affect my work mm. it's always i've always been able to get it done efficiently on time while while pushing it pushing mm-hmm. pushing the buttons but there's been that once or twice where you know i submitted like five hours before mm-hmm. but hardly oh hard- no <laughs> but like i have hardly ever i guess all this to say is that you can't procrastinate but it, you have to be responsible about it and it's better not to yeah and you can only responsibly procrastinate if you have good habits that can force it's so you to finish because you're acting like five hours is bad bro <laughs> that's five bad that's bad if it's day of it's bad Man, I have had many an assignment where I began at five hours before, and I was like, all right, I have to finish this by 11.59. That is when this is due, so that is when it will get done. That is my stop oh my time. Gosh. Is I, I give myself, I'm responsible, I give myself two minutes to submit, and then, <laughs> so it's like, it's supposed to be done by 11.57 tonight, and then there we go. So oh I'm responsible God. as well. Jeez. I, I, guess, I guess, like... <laughs> I guess like, a, like another example is like okay I'll, I'll have like three weeks after a biochem exam where I'll get new material and I won't want to study until like the last lecture of material and then as soon as that lecture is done I'll grind I'll grind study mm-hmm. the material for like five days and then the day before the midterm I'm not stressing I've already studied it but like I don't I don't necessarily start as soon as I should. How does that work with, like, what is your system? Is it lock yourself in a room and don't go out and talk to people? Are you still like, oh, I can hang out, but, like, I, I have to get everything done today by three, and then I can hang out for this period of time, and then tomorrow I'm up again on the grind? Yeah, I, I, I'm really good at working in, like, big chunks of time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll put something off, and then I'll just study for, like, nine hours, and just nothing phased me i just do it yeah and then what 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 i mean like what is your work ethic during those nine hours though? are you going on your phone for like an hour no, or are just you straight ever going in, on your in phone the zone. occasionally like i'm just in the zone i, I get I, that's the thing when I, when I procrastinate like that i get in the zone and then you just go i just go yeah it's just there is no breaks there is, is no it's automatic I, I guess i'm really fortunate in that because like i don't th- you know a lot of people uh, I, don't, I shouldn't say this but like some people like adhd or some people like other stuff like that mm-hmm. for me i can just if I have motivation in my head and I have something to do, I'll just zone in on it and mm. kick it out. Just keep going and keep going and keep going. Yeah. Interesting. Um, dang. Uh, I got me miss. Okay, so anyways, law school though. What do you, I mean, like, how has, so, so you were telling me about like LSATs and the sort of the way they train you to read how i mean has that affected the way you read permanently now like, yeah definitely definitely the way i've read the lsat i'm sure i'll learn even more in law school but it's a it's a different way of reading and analyzing text and at first it's like a big shift but then you realize it's really simple and uh, i would say this is so silly but like at the end of my studies, my my weakest point was you know, reading comp. It's basically the reading comp, which is like SAT reading comp on crack, mm-hmm. I like to say. And I spent the least time on that because I just trusted my reading comprehension. But it wasn't as up to par as it probably should have been. But yeah, it's definitely a different way of reading. You're, uh, you're, you're literally breaking down... Okay, so in, for those like three sections I won't go too much into it but like logic games like puzzles and stuff and, and analytical reasoning then you have logical reasoning which is like one paragraph 
questions, like basically a small argument, and you have to parse it down to its parts and figure out what's going on. And then you have reading comp, which is basically just a long passage mm-hmm. and big, like SAT reading comp. And I'd say like the SAT reading, the the LSAT reading comp, it's um, it's 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 strange because it's not. I think this is not strange, but they really want to see how you can break down um, a text. What is the author doing in this specific paragraph? Why is the author putting a rhetorical question here? Is he putting a rhetorical question here so you look back at the main point of the argument and see, oh, this is relevant? It's like you're looking at all these, you know, as some people say like authorial suggestion, like um, plans or moves, basically author, uh, author authorial moves that he's doing throughout the, the passage and um, seeing how that's, you know, why is that relevant? You know, why is the, why is the author in the last passage, in the last paragraph of the passage, making a counter-objection and then giving a caveat at the end of it? Because, oh, it's because he wants you to look back at that objection to his main point and see why his main point is still correct. And so it, it was hard to initially see that because the, the trap with the LSAT reading comp is that they give so many details. Mm-hmm. So many, they'll give the name of every person in the passage. They'll give you, you know, what color was the rose. They'll tell you the, it was three theories and the second one to blah, blah, blah. And you get to just zone it all out. That mm-hmm. That's the really hard part. And I think my most recent, <laughs> that's my most recent. But um, you have to parse out all the details, which is usually not what you do when you read. You're like reading for enjoyment or something, or you just, you're trying to read and process every word. And the other thing too is, when you read, usually you say the word aloud in your head almost. Hmm. And in reading comp, you're like actively trying to avoid that. Read as fast as possible. Not as fast as possible, but read fast enough where you're not trying to read in your head. So it's like a different way of approaching the text, a different way of um, even just reading the text. You're not reading the text to almost you know understand it. You're reading it to see what the author is doing. And I guess it's kind of what you're doing when you're like reading legal documents. Like, yeah, you see the laws and everything, but what's the point? What are the mm. point of these laws? Is to be a disincentive for people to commit certain acts? Is it because of the context of the society at the time? Like, why is the law written this way? See, I would think it's the opposite because it's like I've I've heard of lawsuits where it comes down to a single word. What do they mean by well, yes, you know, that, that, this word? That's exactly. true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So you know, is it preparing you for because you know, especially when it comes to stories. I found, uh, and I mean, you know, we took similar, the same English class in high school, but it's like, you know, there is the text and then there's like, well, what did they actually mean behind it? So you can read the text, but then you can also get this secondary meaning of kind of like reading it over and being like, oh, this is actually foreshadowing to this, or this is actually referencing the Catholic church without saying it. But then there's also like, okay, what, you know, is that important? Is this single word important? Were they writing it as an entire, like, math sequence of everything matters or was it just this is the general idea don't worry about the specifics if you're saying like skipping over words it's interesting to say that so yeah so i guess i should uh, that's a good point so yeah the reading comp i would still say it, it's counter to that not detail it, it you do it, to, it is detail oriented and that you have to understand the details but you want to just remove the details them. <laughs> yeah you want to disregard them and when you're approaching these questions because literally every passage passage only has like six or seven questions for it and half of them are what's the main point of this passage what's the main purpose of this passage two different things what's the main purpose of this passage what's the main point of this passage what is the author's opinion of the the this matter um and then maybe one question is what 
which one of these did the author mention? So like one detailed question, and the other three questions are like analogies or like you know blah blah. blah. So very, very, um, big picture. Um, what's the gist? Yeah, what's the gist? Very counter detail. So oriented. is it more just? Here's a bunch of shit. Get the useful stuff out. Yeah, exactly. Here's the dirt. Find the diamond. Well, yeah, what was author doing all this? And all this, and all this word salad. What's the author doing? What, what are the what are the pieces of the salad? You can huh. see you see you know green and red and everything, but how many tomatoes are in there? So did you what? need all that stuff of why? What's the point of the rhetorical question then? If you kind of get the gist from the passage, or is it such a complicated passage you really need to pick up on those sort of detail function words? Um, like is it like five words actually are the passage, and then the rest is just flim flam? No, no. So you, you, it's more like how the passage flows together. It's like you know the author makes a statement in the first par- pa- paragraph and then you see that statement you're like okay in the second paragraph he says however other people would say this and you're like oh let me look back that's actually his thesis that's not just a statement that's the author making his opinion known to us because sometimes it's hard to catch because sometimes you know, you, you see a, a, se- a sentence and you're like oh that's just a statement no it's the author's opinion on the matter and it's counter to these other people's opinions. But sometimes you don't know that until later on in the passage. Mm-hmm. Because later on, it's like, however, other people believe this. And then another paragraph, and other people believe this. And the last paragraph is like, and, but you can see with the data, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, he's pointing out that data in the last paragraph because it's pointing back to the first paragraph, his main point, mm-hmm. that he's correct. Those other two objections are not correct. And maybe some reasons why. And so mm-hmm. it's all, it's literally all about the, the the structure of the passage and understanding the st- the purpose of what the passage is doing. They obviously like when you're actually reading this, you only have three minutes to read the passage and then like four minutes to answer. So obviously all this big picture stuff I'm saying, like you're doing it in a split. You're, you're you're once you get good at it, it's just very. So brief. you're not pondering like why did he choose it this there rather than the other there? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, no, I'll, be, I'll, I'll read a passage and the author will say like a, 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 like a, a statement and there'll be like almost like an adjective word like he'll say um, clearly and it's okay clearly that means he's making a strong statement here at the is he saying clear so it's clear that this approach to the theory is blah 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 so, okay that one word clear highlights that this is a strong statement so I think this is the main point of the passage or the author's position mm. of, of, of a matter and I read the next passage and then I'll see, okay, I see how it relates. I'll keep reading. Okay, this all makes sense. You know, it's all. And there's also the, like different types of, it gets really nuanced. There's like different types of passage types in reading comp. There's like, author, there's like the author's position versus other people's position. Sometimes the whole passage would just be a thesis, like explain passages. It'll all be about a thesis or a traditional um, theory that develops into something else. Or, so yeah, there's like, okay, Sorry, let me let me make it clear. Hmm. From my understanding, there's like three types of passages. There's problem passages, mm-hmm. which is like there's a problem being discussed. You figure out what that problem is, and you see how the the, the 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 passage is addressing that. Those are really easy. There's explained passages, passages which are also really easy. Not really easy, but the, I say the problem. Okay, let me just keep talking. I'm sorry. Just go off. I'm go going off. Going there's explained passages where it's basically they're just explaining a person's life. They'll talk about an author, mm-hmm. and you have to just have to pick up on, you know, that's where it's a little more detail oriented. So it depends on the passage. Like it'll explain like the author in the first paragraph, and it'll, the or like an artist or something. It'll mention some attributes about them, and then the rest of the passage you have to figure out 
where is he talking about these attributes? What is the author thinking is important about the attributes? So it's a little more detailed nuance. Mm-hmm. And then the most common one is the conflict passage type. Author has an opinion, other people have an opinion. And that's where you're just picking up on the structure. So, yeah. Hmm. So it's kind of like a, you know, a first person, this is a story from my perspective, then there's this sort of conflict between me and the outside world that's the conflict and then there's the well this is that problem over there my opinion doesn't matter I don't know everything about it but this is these are the facts of the problem kind of thing and that'd be like yeah so this is kind of like that and sometimes it's confusing sometimes they'll have like an issue in the first paragraph and then someone's opinion on it and it will be the last paragraph where the person will be like you know that opinion is not really correct mm. and then the last like sentence they'll say They'll say something completely different that shows their opinion. It's like the last sentence you realize, oh, this whole passage is about proving other people wrong and showing mm. why this person's last. So you don't opinion. realize it's a conflict until the very end. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, uh. sometimes. Sometimes. And so that's that's the thing. Like some people never notice it's like a, a conflict, you know, a type of mm-hmm. author's opinion. And so that's why this question, the questions will be like, you know, what's the author's opinion? Is he? Oh, how does the author feel about it? Is he ambivalent? Is he neutral? Is he skeptical? Is he supportive? And like. Well, if you didn't pick up that he was rejecting all their objections, you got the question wrong. So that's that's the reading comp and the logical reasoning. Whoa, wait, wait, have have you read any of your friends' text messages with girls having this knowledge now? Because that seems so useful. Of like, okay, I'm, you could tell she likes you because she used this verb. Oh, you know, this, this is a this is a positive verb. Dude, this is so cringe. But actually, like in showing my text messages now. I pick up. I, I'm so much more anal about the, the structure of text messages. Where I can <laughs> yeah. be like, like, it, why did you write this this way? No, I'm probably overreading it, but I genuinely think I'm a. I genuinely think I'm a better understanding of like when people send me like maybe like a paragraph text message, like what they're trying to convey or people's tonage and and their. So you writing. comprehend when you read better. Yeah, yeah, oh, def- definitely, definitely. <laughs> but then I say this other section, logical reasoning. Mm-hmm. That one is a lot more detail. That one is detail oriented. They'll give you argument. And then you'll miss, they'll, make, they'll say the first sentence about, you know, a predator is really good at hunting elk and blah, blah, blah. And then the next paragraph, the next sentence is saying there's been a decrease in the food supply for small mammals and blah, blah, blah. And, and wolves have, and now the whatever animal population is decreasing and then blah, blah. And, but then you made the connection. Well, they said small mammal, and then they mentioned moose. You know, those are different things. You know, the conclusion is not really wrong. The question is like, why is this argument, have, what's the flaw in this argument? Like, mm-hmm. you have to see like those little nuances. So logical reasoning, very, very much word attentive, but but you see the patterns. It's really easy once, <laughs> easy. It took me six months, you know, <laughs> this, it, me being an idiot, it took me six months easy. to pick up these pieces where I'm like, oh, you know, that's where, that's where I see, you know, logical, re- I, I, I really started to enjoy logical reasoning. That's one section I could finally get to like minus zero reading comp. That never happened. That <laughs> never, you know, looking back, I probably should have studied that more, but whatever. I mean, that seems like one of those ones that you're like, oh, I get this, but you're not, so you don't have the impetus to actually get really good at it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Versus logical reasoning was not so intensive. The other thing is logical reasoning wasn't so boring. Like. It was just one paragraph and move on to the next question. One paragraph, like long, reading comp is dense, mm. takes effort. It's, you know, I did study it, but could have studied it more. I could have studied it more. That's an I I and what you said there was a fourth component. There was the logic games, and then there was what's the fourth? Oh, sorry. So yeah, there's three. 
and oh, there's actually, only three components. Only oh. three components. And it's actually a big deal because next year they got rare logic games. So really huge. They've had that for like thirty plus years or whatever. So yeah. huge deal. And um thing is logic games is my minus zero section every time. Mm-hmm. That's like and it's known so you got it in just under the wire. Yeah, so logical re- yeah, logic games is known to be is hard, but it's the easiest to get to minus zero. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest to get to minus zero and it's the most learnable because all it is is like pattern repetition and like learning how the LSAT makes the questions. Mm-hmm. And after I've done thousands and thousands and thousands, I've done so I've done so many logic games. <laughs> but yeah, after doing so many, you know, once you see one, you're like, oh, this is this type, this is this type of puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have these type of rules, and this is what I need to do. Tic tac toe, boom. You know, I know what to do. The only issue is the more the, some of the recent logic game sections that I didn't do well on on some of my tests, um, they have miscellaneous. Fourth, there's four games in the logic games, and the fourth ones tend to be miscellaneous sometimes now. And so there's no recognizable pattern from previous games. It's more just like, oh, you know, IQ question, mm-hmm. you know, color, you know, draw lines outside the box, you know, figure out fresh for the first time. And in one of one of my one of my LSAT exams, I was able to like figure out the miscellaneous game. Mm-hmm. But like the most recent time around, uh, no, not the most recent, but like my first time around, I didn't, mm-hmm. which is like kind of disappointing. But yeah, so where was I going with that? Yeah, but end of the day, logic games very learnable. Minus zero is kind of the worst part of the LSAT and the best part. Like it's a love hate thing because one, it's so stupid and impractical. But at the same time, learning it shows that you have the intellectual ability to, to do it mm. so i think it's a a pro and con but completely removing it i think will be good for people down the road hmm. but Inter- well it, it's very i i kind of like the lsat at least from what i'm hearing i'm sure i wouldn't like taking it but like <laughs> tell <laughs> it seems like like okay looking at it is like what are the base components of a lawyer is i mean yeah of course reading and being able to understand what the fuck is going on and then also being able to make a logical argument based on facts to an end yeah and it's like all right well that's law i i mean i'm maybe like you could add a philosophy thing in there but that's not really their 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 jurisdiction uh yeah. to get all legal uh, <laughs> if i, if I look, sorry i didn't interrupt you but if i had to look back at the lsat you know do i think I can't. I can't. I try not to say good things about the LSAT because I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But looking back, like honestly, the the LR skills it trained me for. I think those are necessary and good things that I learned. The reading cop it really does test your ability to read fast and really understand you know context. So I think those are those are good things. Maybe a little harder than they need to be, but I think they're good things. Mm-hmm. And the logic games, not necessary at all. Should be gone, but. I think they're a good testament hmm. to show people be able to learn something very difficult. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Because, like, learning logic games is almost... Okay, people are, if anybody ever hears this and hear me say this garbage, like, no, you're idiot. It's not like that. But, you know, I had a, I, t- I did some logic games with a ComSci friend of mine. Like, oh, yeah, this is, like, very similar to, like, you know, logical rules or whatever and yeah. ComSci whatever and, mm-hmm. you know, applying stuff like this and doing arrays and stuff. And, yeah, this is, you know pretty practical because it's like if then conditional statements yeah. like this is literally what you do in comp side so there there is benefits to it but for as for being an attorney it's completely it's, it's worthless so i can see why it's going away i don't 
I don't know about that. I, I guess it's kind of, I yeah, I, I can't exactly think of the the real application of it because like it's like when you're interpreting a law. I guess it's more for crafting a law, really. If you want to make something that's airtight, you have to go through all the scenarios of well, what are the situations in which this law is going to be applied when it's applied correctly, when it's applied incorrectly, and then where where is the gray zone going to be, and then how do I craft this law in order to make the yes and no more explicit rather than the maybe, you know. The only, the, the only thing, I guess the way I see the logic games is three things. It shows that you're anal enough, you're smart enough, and you're, I guess, determined enough, I forgot what I was going to say, to to learn something new. Mm. So it sh- I guess it shows if you're an attorney and you, like, you get a hit with the left curveball from right field or whatever, and you have to learn something completely new in your law field, you know, I guess the logic game shows that you have the ability to learn something you new. Can suck it up. Yeah, you have the ability to suck it up, and <laughs> you're anal enough to actually do it. So I guess that's what the logic game shows. You know, getting that to minus zero. If you if you're someone like me who started that very poorly and then got to where I was at, just from grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding, mm. it shows that you have, you're anal enough to do it. Okay, I kind of want to shift gears here because it's okay. something I've been thinking about a lot recently has nothing, not really anything to do with what we're talking about. That's cool, that's cool. Um, so, <laughs> right, as we talked about, uh, I think of the last one, the whole Israel-Gaza thing, as we talked about many times about U.S. foreign policy, <laughs> there is something to me that seems, and I hope I do this idea justice in, in my current state, but trying to understand there is, so I, I, I from what I can tell, there is sort of like, there is the government face, right? The you listen to the press release and you take it at face value. This, oh, okay, yeah, because you know we're for uh, Ukrainian democracy and we hate anti-Semitism. That's you know reading it at the face. Then there is the level of sort of we're defending our ideas, I guess. So maybe saying you know the U.S. isn't exactly pure. You know, we're not doing everything exactly right. There's some brutality, but you know, we're doing it because we're fighting for our de- ideals. And then there is sort of the third face of like, maybe it's not about ideas. Maybe even the ideas are are bullshit. And it's like we are doing any action it takes for a given reality and that given or that outcome for a given outcome, and that outcome is not necessarily widely available. And that's something that this Israel conflict has really made me think about because, you know, we could talk about anti-Semitism and we could talk about democracy. Um, but to me, it's, it's you know, there are plenty of, of things that have gone on in other countries that we don't really give a shit about. Like, I think Ethiopia had problems. There's 25 wars going on right now around the world. Yeah. 25 conflicts and wars. Including, you know, China-Taiwan, that's considered conflict, mm. North Korea-South Korea, but also civil wars. I read it today, there's 25 going on. So why, you know, so obviously we're not out, we are not the world police. We are not out here for justice. Mm, we claim. We, we well, I think, mm, yes and no. I think we are the world police. I think we've been accused of being the world police, and I understand that, especially I think, uh, I think our Navy was used sort of to secure the seas in a very police sort of manner. But I, I don't think we're that pure of heart because the police <laughs> at least are supposed to be for justice rather than us sort of being like, 
operate on our system. Isn't that how police really are, though? Are they really that pure? I, th- I think we. I would think the U.S. military fits that. There's a disconnect. <laughs> I think there's a disconnect. I guess because it's it's rather than like the the aim of the judicial system, mm-hmm. at least justice in my night. Yeah, right. We're aiming towards justice rather than what's best for the government. You could say those are the same thing, or justice is manipulated by that desire, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, you can look at people getting thrown in jail for marijuana convictions is an example of that, right? Is that really justice, or is that just more convenient to get rid of maybe voters you don't want voting? But, <laughs> what? but uh, what, I mean, I guess my question is, what do you think the goal of the United States is? Why does it exist? What is it for? What is, yeah, this, what this, is it for? This might sound nihilistic, but no, I, no. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident in this. Power and money. Mm-hmm. Power and money really is a driving force behind 99% of, I feel like, political action mm-hmm. around the world. And I really, war, I mean, at the end of the day, can you really ever argue that war is for justice or this or that when most of the time there's always so many, you know, different um, contingencies you have to think about? or but is it all like if it was all for power and money why why doesn't the u.s just devolve back into just a monarchy or something like that you well because obviously we're, we're a democratic institution we have all these you know checks and balances put in place where you couldn't have a monarchy unless you know trump tries to mm. but um which i i would argue i could potentially argue that you know maybe trump wouldn't want to do that you know he would once he would want to suspend the constitution um let's go so you could argue that y- u.s pre- you know U.S. pressure for power and money would push someone like Donald Trump to want to do that. So you argue that's already at play. But I would say the checks and balances prevent that. But aside from that, power and money, and I mean, look, look, all, the U.S. government is just praising the fact that the Ukraine war is crippling the Russian military. Mm-hmm. That it's it's all geopolitical geopolitical gain. Mm-hmm. Being involved in the Middle East, strengthening Israel strengthens the u.s position in the middle mm. east israel attacking hamas in gaza and basically ridding the um iran iranian backed groups there strengthens israel's position in the middle east mm. which strengthens the u.s position in the middle east and interests in the middle east well that's th- it's like so what it, what it, is the point of israel is it is it the question that came to mind most recently because after world war ii right there were there were the jews they had undergone the holocaust and so the UK had taken over whatever land was now currently Palestine, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, they had taken over that land and they said, oh, well, these the Jews were persecuted because they were a stateless nation. They didn't have a place. And so now they, you know, and so they were left to whatever nation they were in, whatever they wanted to do with them. So we gave them this state. So now they can, there's always a place where the Jews can well, go. Yeah, it wasn't just you, like UK pushed this. There was a bunch of Well, the Jewish, US was in charge of, of making it happen as well. And there's and a bunch I, of, there was a bunch of politicians throughout Europe, Jewish politicians, mm-hmm. you know, pushing for a Jewish diaspora to relocate to but, Israel. But what, you know, we don't, we don't do this, we haven't done this with anybody else, right? We, did, we, we don't we, do this with the Kurds. Where's the we, why? We, no what, I, that's, I was about to say, the Kurds, you know, I would say the Kurds should have a state. You know, a lot of people push for that. Well, I think it depends on what logic you use. Why? Because that's what I think is, is so confusing is like, what are, what are we, you know, what, what is the goal? Is the goal to have 
just states for everybody because if that was the case, right, we would have Kurdistan. We don't have Kurdistan, and we're not really fighting for Kurdistan. So it's like, okay. Well, so we, that's su- not we, our we goal. definitely supported them and the Kurds. I know we supported the Kurds, but I think that was against ISIS. Because now yeah. Turkey's all pissed off because we're supporting the Kurds in like Syria, and they're like, hey, they're trying to separate from the rest of Turkey. Don't fucking do that. We're like, oh, no, it's okay. Don't worry. There's, there's, there's so many secessionist movements. You know, you have the Kurds, you have Catalonia and Spain. Yeah, they have their you have, conflict uh, going on right now. You have, what, Sudan? The whole conflict Sudan is them trying to split in two, isn't it? Ah, uh, fuck! I don't know. Well, South Sudan was formed in like 2011, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't. I don't know about Sudan. I know like Ethiopia's had some problems, and they've had some wars with their neighbors to the north. They've had a civil war going on. But I don't. I don't know about Sudan. I don't. I mean, the Congo. I mean, all of Africa is always like <laughs> just this flux. tumultuous. But it's like, and it's, is it our, is it the West, Eastern, or is it the European powers fault that it's in flux? Or are they in flux just because they have a bunch of corruption? That's just the state of things right now. Uh, you know, I it's can't really a combination say. of things. Um, but, but it's like, what is the, what is the point of Israel? I just can't, can't and like the, not point, the, point, the point of the state or the point of us supporting them? Uh, I guess the point, like, why did we give them a state? Was it just because the Jews had so much influence? Like and so they were able to influence the powers in order to give them a state. If the Kurds had more influence, I mean that's I a great getting, question. This that is, is dangerous a great, territory. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. Being thrown but, around a lot. But your it is a valid point. You know, I nothing against like uh, to make my ideas clear. I, there's nothing against Jews, and, and that's not my problem with it. It's just. Why are we fighting for one group of people to have a state rather than fighting for every group of people to have a state? It's like, well, well, uh, as, I don't as, even know that we should fight for them to have a state because it's like, that's your business. You figure it well, out. I'll say right now, right now, us, I can't say for 1945, but from my mm. understanding of right now, why us supporting Israel, why we do it mm. is because of power and money. Like right now, why are we supporting Israel? Mm. I mean, if... Let's say Israel was a predominantly, it's bad to say, it was a predominantly like Arab state with, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I wouldn't say, I don't know, it's bad to say, Muslim values and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The U.S. wouldn't be so adamant supporting them. But it's a, it's a state that supports U.S. interests and influence in the region. And I, I this is something I was thinking about is, is because I think one of the worries, and I don't know, because, right, Israel was made in the 40s versus when the whole idea i think of an arab state was being thrown around i think was after that and so you know i don't know that that was the intention with establishing israel but i think there's a certain fear of a unified arab state and and there have been multiple people wanting it the saudis want it or the different monarchies of the arabs which which are under like the sunni law versus like the shia rule in iran who wanted their own version of the arab state versus the secular uh arabs who are seen in like egypt and iraq and you know i might be butchering this but you know the gist of it is there have been multiple attempts at unifying things into one arab state and i think there's a fear that that might be a a a threat to united states dominant it's another big player right because you know you have that would be a new thing we're already dealing we're already fighting china as a huge economic power that we had to conflict with we you know kind of you know europe is now sort of an ally and europe's an ally it's an ally but it's like you know don't don't get too out of control i've heard and this is just a theory that i heard online so don't it's not my ideas (laughs) 
it don't don't get bad at me i don't know enough, no, but what 4chan servers you're on exactly but um it was like the reason that the u.s blew up the nord stream pipeline is they don't want russia and germany getting too close because then it would be like the resources well, of Russia versus the ec- economy and technology of Germany combined could be a substantial threat well, to the U.S. I, th- I think like last week they officially confirmed it was Ukrainian um, Yeah, commander. they said it was Ukrainian and they were like, Zelensky didn't know. It's like, really? Because it, it was the top Ukrainian commander. But he didn't tell the one guy right above him, like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure, Zelensky did. So it's like, why doesn't he know jack shit about his country? I mean, it makes sense doing that. You definitely want to decouple Germany from Russia in the long run. Yeah. Well, why? Why would we? Why would we want to decouple those two? Because Russia is a geopolitical ally, and we're scared of their nukes. Are you mean uh, any enemy? Yeah, 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 well, yeah. But like, what? And then something too. When it came to containment with communism, it's the idea of why. It well, it's like why not just let them do them? But this, we looking back, we should have. We should have. Like, especially in South America. We should have just let. I mean, we fucked up a lot of countries because we we let dictators take over yeah, rather than we we did the, the, the socialists. It's, it's sad because we you know obviously we give a lot of financial aid and a lot of a lot of support to South America, but at the same time we really did a lot a lot a lot of damage down there. So it's like, are we crippling all possible competitors? We didn't do that with China. Which is like okay. I mean, we had to get cheap labor from somewhere. Or, no, you, you the know. whole the whole policy. You know, the whole idea with China is that you build them up, you make them so rich and intertwined with us that they couldn't possibly want to be, you know, our adversary. But it backfired. They developed and built so much wealth to be our adversary. Yeah, to to be on a level playing field. But I I don't know, like, cause and and that's a conflicting idea too. Is like okay, we built them up in order to make it yeah they, they, so they, it would hurt us. too much for them to fail but it's like okay well why don't we do that with the Arab states I know there's a worry about you know then they're gonna go on a whole jihad and then they're just gonna <laughs> you know it's kinda like the Nazis are trying to take over the world then the Arabs will naturally want to take over the world Bro, for it's, religious reasons it's like, it's like imagine like I'm or the, the Islam, Islamic states which again I don't know enough about Islam to really state for, firmly but dude, like, dude this thing about crazy is just the whole like Iran nuclear deal and everything like I, like, can you imagine how scary it'd be if Iran had nukes? Yeah, they they, they would shoot them at the U.S. Like, <laughs> it's I, they like, would shoot them at Israel, hundred percent. I don't. That's something I don't understand. Is like, why do they? Like, what is the Muslim tilt against Judaism? I don't get haram. What, it's haram and to be Jewish, it's but infidel. not to be Christian. They're, they're infidels. Because well, and Christians too. I mean, but it seems like it's such a. I mean, I guess because there's no Christian state next door, so it's yeah. They would try and kill them too. But it's so weird where it's like very much. It, it at least comes off very much as like, oh, if you're Muslim, oh, you're gonna dislike Jewish people very much. It's like, well, why is that? A th- Do they dislike Christians? Is it more they hate Jews, or is it more they just hate everybody who's not Islamic or Muslim? Well, I I have no idea if this is any ground in theology here, but you know, obviously the Jews crucified Jesus, mm-hmm. and obviously Christians have no, you know. Oh, you know, depends resent, which resent. one you have, but that, <laughs> that is definitely a thing. Ninety, yeah, not, they not, killed God. Yeah, killed them. Ninety-nine point nine percent of Christians do not have. Oh, I'd say maybe ninety-eight percent of Christians yeah. still have antipathy or resentment against Jews um, for you know killing Jesus. But then, like you know, Muslims, they looked at 
Jesus as a prophet. Like he is the Messiah. I, I believe. I'm completely correct in this. They believe Jesus is the Messiah that will come again a second time. Mm. But he's not God. But they do believe he's coming back. He is a prophet. He is a judge. He was definitely an important prophet. But I heard that he's like he's still he's still the Messiah for them. He's still the Messiah. Like yeah. he's really really crucial to them. And so maybe I have no idea if this has any grounding. I'm just spewing stuff. But I don't know if Jesus being killed by Jews has any source um, a, maybe a Jews, Jews killing Jesus has any source in that resentment but no it's a very very sad thing going on you know just people we're all just humans you know we're all just we poop we poop brown and our insides yeah. are all red and you know it's too bad we can't just you know, hug been, hug kiss kiss man I've been looking into like you know listening to history podcasts watching movies and you get very at least I've found that I get very disconnected from the fact that these are individuals, you know, because it, it's like, you, you, like, uh, killer shit brown. He, well, uh, he no, had a no, micro penis. No. He was it's, a human. It's like what Stalin said of like, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. <laughs> Stalin said that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's like, you know, when you look at it from a stand back point of view, right? Okay, you know, there's 2 million Gazans, 10,000 people have died already, half of them are children, but you look at, the, the statistics of World War Two or World War One, where it's like a million people died in a single battle for a couple miles of land. It's, it's like crazy. It's like you can't it's like it was like people dying. That's kind of like yeah, that's the game. People are gonna die, and it's like whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you say it so like casually. So, yeah, casually. Like yeah, people are gonna die. It's like people, like your family could die. It's like well, not my family. My yeah. arm could blow off. My brains just go mush. Yeah. Like that's well, not that's me because I'm in charge. I would never oh, send oh, yeah, my oh, yeah, kid to course. go. Which um, I guess you know. Shout out to the, the Kennedys. Seem like a weird thing where they, you know, they go and fight in battle. I don't know about any of that. I'm not trying to hype up the Kennedys. They've got plenty of that. But, um, but this is a side note. Uh, sorry, this is super side note and kind of graphic. But actually, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I found footage of like that day the Hamas attacked mm-hmm. Israel, and seeing the stuff they did, how brutal they were to civilians. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, these are straight like people high on drugs at like raves and stuff or like you know just old people walking in the street or running mm-hmm. away just brutal just shooting them punching them you know like harassing people being their, raped their and killed just destroying yeah they didn't expect Har- it at all and just there's, there's the famous video circulating online not famous infamous video circulating online of like these people hiding in a, in a bunker or whatever at, near the concert, like a missile silo bunker, mm-hmm. and like the Palestinians throw a bunch of grenades in there. And there's like there's like 50 people all crammed in, mm-hmm. and like a bunch of them run out, and they all get shot down. Mm-hmm. They get shot and killed, and then the people stay in the bunker, and they're um after their grenades get thrown, and like there's ton of dead bodies everywhere. And they were saying like the Palestinians. They went in there and people like pretend to be dead behind, under the bodies. And they threw more grenades in there and people like hide themselves under these bodies. Just absolutely horrendous mm. stuff. And then like the dude gets up. There's like ten people out of like forty, and he's like recording the ground and just people's limbs blown off. People like crooked, like just horrifying stuff. These are civilians. This, yeah. this is not even like this is not even tip of the iceberg of like you know the babies they kill. Like after, but I guess my point is after seeing all of this. And seeing the amount of people, seeing the amount of people saying that Hamas are freedom fighters, mm. that seeing okay, this is exaggerating. 
I'm not exaggerating, but like Instagram comments and reels and stuff, seeing the amount of people saying death to Israel mm-hmm. and posting the Palestinian flag and saying, you know, um, you know, people are fighting for freedom of their country and stuff like that. I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't get my head around it. Like, I mean, I don't want to say like, cause I, you know, I agree what Hamas did was terrible, but I guess I'm on the side of separating. Hamas from the Palestinians I, at I, large. I know, but the, the thing is, there's a lot of Arabs who are, who are calling Hamas freedom fighters mm. and justifying their actions. And it's on a huge scale. And it's, just, it's so disturbing and sick. It's just... I think, you know, I... I the logic, I I understand. Not that I'm, I'm not advocating. They're not, you know, freedom fighters so heroic. But it's like... When you have, you know, Gaza is a very poor country or whatever you want to call it, very poor territory, that is the result mainly of Israeli, like, that's due to the Israeli, due to the laws, due to the blockades, due to just the situation, right? If you look at what was Palestine before Israel came and then all the Palestinians were pushed out, it has very much been a, why are we in this situation where we're a poor country? Well, there's one country that's really kind of responsible for this situation, and then that underlying base of these guys are kind of fucking us plus the more specific and sharp occurrences like that happened I think it was in 2021 where there was already an exchange of missiles between Hamas and Israel those kind of instances are just terrorist breeding grounds I think that's when you look at the conflict today you know regardless of Israeli retaliation being justified. Every single bomb they drop is breeding more terrorists. Yeah, I know. I, I, know. I, I was just, I was just saying this. I was looking at um, like the first day footage, of, like, the second day footage of like Israel bombing Gaza, and there was a father holding his dead daughter. Yeah. And I'm looking at it. He's a normal Palestinian dude. I'm like, what's stopping this guy from? grabbing a gun next week and going committing, you know. I mean, they have the same, they both have the same reasons. It's like, you did terrible things to my people, especially if it was a relative. You did terrible things to my relatives. I'm going to destroy you. I don't give a fuck about you. And both sides have those examples. Both sides have reasons to hate and want to destroy each other. I, I just find it so, like, I, I'm not expert. I don't know all the facts and everything, but I just find it so hard when, to to accept when people say you know you know Israel is a genocidal state and all of that they commit genocide against Palestinians like you know they'll they'll bring up examples of like a Russia like a Israeli soldier you know shooting a Palestinian kid in the West Bank or they'll say something like this or like you know Israeli guards raped a woman like horrible things mm-hmm. and of course all that bad and they call it genocide but I I just don't think it's comparable. To from my understanding of the situation, I just don't think it's comparable to like in Hamas in one day beheading like forty or fifty babies. Like that is that is so sickening and disgusting, mm. and that is genocidal. I I don't know a single example of Israel being genocidal like that. And people throw around that word like it's nothing. Like yeah. Israeli, the Israel, the geno. Well, I mean, maybe not exactly genocide. But I mean, people I've say heard, that. I've heard people, people say, say it matches that definition. I'm, I I don't know exactly why, but I I don't think it's completely crazy to say that. But I you know there are a lot of instances of like there's a video of this guy. He was from New York. He went because, you know, all Jews have birthright to go and live in Israel. So he went to Israel, and then he was allowed to get a gun from Israel, go into the West Bank, and basically force, a, you know, a, a Palestinian out of their house at gunpoint. 
and because of the way the law works is like there is no legal recourse for a Palestinian right they're not allowed to have guns because you know we want to keep they, Israel is afraid of them having guns and they're going to start to harm them so they're not allowed to have guns they can't defend themselves you know at that moment and there's no legal recourse because like if a Palestinian goes to like you know, you go to the Israeli law or you go to, you know, West Bank law, Israelis aren't going to recognize that because they're going to say, go fuck yourself. They're kind of adversaries. And if, yeah, you go to the Israel, awful. if you go to that Israeli law, they're like, oh, this Israeli is expanding our territory. Yeah. Uh, no, he's in the right. So it's, and there are, Israel is definitely in the wrong in a bunch of things. And there are raids taking place. Like there is reason for Palestinians to hate Israelis. And uh, that doesn't justify committing terrible actions like what happened on October 7th. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the animosity between I, yeah, the two... Uh, it's so understandable. I agree. Like Them bombing Gaza is just breeding. Yeah. It, it's breeding. That's, and, a, and that's not mean, right. I think at the root of it, it is, it is like a, a... You know, the Israelis, that wasn't a country. They were transplanted from other countries given the land by the well, UK. Okay, well, hold, and then my, they just my, went and pushed out a bunch of Arabs. Well, also, from my understanding, there have been Jews there ethnic Jews still living in Israel for thousands of yes, years. Yes, You can't take that for granted as That's well. true, but in large part it was mainly like Arab and it's sort of like, you know, not just Islam, but like the ethnicity of Palestinian. Like there were Palestinian Jews that I'm sure have just stayed where now Israel is and continued that on, but there's sort of like the culture and that's one of the reasons why it's like Palestinians aren't being let into Jordan or Palestinians aren't being let into Egypt. into Egypt. Is like, oh, well, they're all Muslim. Oh, well, they're all Arab. But it's like, no, no, no. It's a different culture. They're like a different country's people. But it's like, yeah, well, so the, you know, you use, the line, you use the line when you don't want to let, let them in. But when you're like, oh, but they're Arabs. We support them. But don't let them in because they're different Arabs. It's, it's very like, I don't know. But like, you look at it from like okay both sides have a reason to hate each other and it you know you look at it from if somebody did something terrible to me it's very easy to slip into that mode of i'm going to destroy you there is no sense of there's no right or wrong i'm not worried about like oh murder is wrong it's like you killed my family i will burn you down and i'll pay the consequences when i when i meet god kind of thing and i think that's the opinion on both sides for a lot of people and a lot of those people are getting listened to because there's a general anger and that's being fueled and you know, even there are internal conflicts, right? Not all Palestinians like Hamas. Not all Israelis like Netanyahu. There are multiple reasons to say that they shouldn't be in power, but they're the ones in power, and so they're using their power in order to kind of continue what they believe is the correct choice. Yeah. Another thing too is like no side note. No side note. Like, what do people expect Israel to do? You know, after fourteen hundred their people, which is representative of them losing like forty thousand. It's like the U.S. lost fifty thousand people. Yeah. Like. What 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 yeah, do they you, have to do something? What, like what do you expect the U.S. to do if you know invade if, Iraq? If, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Dang, yeah. but like you know what Israel? You know, end of the day, what would be the best thing to do? Or like, I would say, you know, this is a far stretch. You know, what are the Christian thing need to do? I turn the turn the cheek or whatever. So the Jewish state. Yeah. <laughs> and Jewish state, turn the cheek and just keep, you know, carrying out counter-terrorist operations. Maybe that's the best solution. But as a state actor, a secular state actor, sort of state, sort of secular, mm-hmm. like, what does a state do in this situation? Any rational state? You root out the hostility. Yeah. Like, Well, and it's not just that because, I mean, one... Netanyahu and his sort of coalition was already had like 
waning support. Oh, there. And so now, in order to maintain support, maintain their power, they have to look as though they're doing something, as though they're going to war. And so it is. It isn't as though they're rooting out terror, right? If Hamas is in these bunkers, it's very much a just mash destruction retaliation he, he, of just blow the whole fucking thing up rather than precisely attack terrorists. He, he's definitely gonna go down in infamy in Israel though because he was so unpopular with the Supreme Court overhauls yeah. over there with the, the way he's handled the West Bank and then now him not prevent him not preventing mm-hmm. this attack extremely extremely unpopular at yeah. home. I mean you were in Israel like what six months ago? Yeah in, in late January. That's crazy. And there was there were protests about the whole judicial thing going on while really? I was there. Yeah they like that was the current event of no we gotta we gotta keep the courts from being able to change or the parliament from being able to change what the court says because then Bibi's gonna you know do, you know, basically like undo his crime sort of thing and there was a big conflict because it, it it is sort of like and this is only my experience with like two citizens but like it was kind of described in a way of like that he's their trump of like people are like oh yeah but bb you know he's getting the job done he might not do it exactly right but you know he's still like we agree with his ideas and he's kind of winning the support of the right sort of thing uh, and there's additionally like a whole component of him siding with the very conservative sort of Hasidic Jews, which are like the super orthodox Jews with the curls and all that shit. Um, but and, and you know, I don't know enough. I barely know enough about American politics, so you know, Israeli politics. I don't want to get into it. But the, but the point I wanted to talk about, kind of going back to like, what is our goal? Is right. Both sides have a reason to hate each other. Fine. None of our business. Both sides are killing each other. Well, they're not our citizens, as bad as it might be. And in the context of the grand scale of the universe or whatever, even just standard conflicts, I guess, is like, you know, thousands of people. It's a big deal, but it's not unheard of, especially in modern conflicts all over the world. So why are we getting involved? Is it because, oh, well, we can house our jets there, you know, in Israel, and we have, that there are base in the Middle East, and we can go and fight from there. Okay, maybe, and then we can go into why do we even need to police the Middle East in the first place, but... I mean, that's the direction to go in. It's but. like, you know, there are allies, but why are they our for, first and foremost allies, right? Ukraine, their funding is now like, uh, you're out of the spotlight. You're so <laughs> last year, right? You know, you're so 2021, Ukraine. Now it's, now yeah. it's Israel's turn. It's Israel's more relevant for Taiwan 2024. Let's go. <laughs> well, you know, President Xi came into California yeah, today. He's meeting with our big boy Biden. Let's yeah, go. All we gotta do is uh, slip some poison to. Yeah, that'll look great. Kidding, 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 kidding. We love you, CCP. <laughs> you are so great. We are sponsored by there is only China. One, only Social one, credit up 15 points. Only Woo! one China. Bing one. chilling. Bing chilling. <laughs> um, man, we're going to get killed in 50 years. With this now. Uh, but, I mean, it's... it's what is, what is the U.S. priority? Is it maintaining influence over the world? And if so, why? What benefits do we gain? And do we, like... Is it, is it just a craving to maintain power over the world? Are we really... Because I've, I've had a previous guest who talked about, like, you know, we get a lot of benefits from being number one, right? We get to print the world's base currency exactly. for free 99. Exactly. Let's go. Which, exactly. all right, fair enough. We kind of can influence policy in any country, right? We ha- we can meddle with Ukrainian policy. We can meddle with Israeli policy. Although, people could argue that the tail is now wagging the dog in both of those situations. But... 
you know, we we get to go and tell other countries. Like, we have military bases across Every, the world. I think 126 countries. Yeah, we basically own the island of Osaka, which is a Japanese uh, <laughs> island, allegedly. You know, we have... Again, we have fucking. We still own Guam. You know, Hawaii. The whole point of owning fucking uh, Hawaii was taken because it's a military base. It's not. We don't give a fuck about. Oh, you know, we just took it from the Hawaiians. <laughs> you know, they could suck us. No, I get it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we have our. We have wrapped our arms around the earth and we've shoved our fingers in the hole in the back. So it's like, what? Why? Or do we need to? Should we? Does justice really matter? You know, in the grand, when you once you get to that higher level, are are we just peasants for being like, oh well, I believe in truth and justice? Is once you get to a certain level, it's like this is how the world works. Justice is a lie. Okay, you get justice because we killed people all across the earth. Okay, this is you know, it's a doggy dog world. There is no law. It is anarchy, and so you have to fight every other kid on the playground in order to use the swing set. Is that you know, what's your opinion on that? That's tough. <laughs> That's it's kind of fucked, you know. It's sort of, I, I, you know, it's easy to say it's a mixture of both, but I think it really is. That's why we need a good Christian state. Let's make the Pope king of the world. <laughs> no, the Pope is a heretic. Yeah, that man is a fucked up. Damn, I thought you were Catholic, bro. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's go with the patriarch, Eastern Orthodox Church for no, life. It, it's crazy. Like, even like, there's so many Catholics now, like coalition of Catholic bishops, talking about how like literally the Pope right now is fermenting. Are you saying the idea of the Pope or Pope Francis? Pope, Pope Francis himself is like fermenting. Like, oh, so you're still fine with the bishop of rome being king of all bishops for no reason no no yeah are you familiar oh i already forgot the name of the whatever the fuck it's called the it was mentioned before it's like this some fucking thing having to do with the holy spirit and jesus being equal or something like that it has some weird latin yeah there's, there's so many pope francis has put forward so many heretical things in the past year it's crazy but and him firing that u.s catholic priest absurd can you go into details <laughs> I guess I can I can do that privately. <laughs> well, I mean, I like I've heard. Yeah, he's like, oh, God still loves gays and stuff like that. Which, like, yeah, you know, I don't give a shit. Go ahead. I think, when, you know, it's interesting because we can talk about U.S. law, constitutional law. I think like the the idea of of you know gays a lot. You know, gay marriage is a is tough because I believe you know I believe in gay marriage. Be gay. Fuck however many people you want. I don't really give a shit. You know, polygamy. Woo, let's go. You know, let bring Mormons back. Because at the end of the day, it's freedom of religion. And the only reason why homosexuality is, isn't considered marriage is because it's not according to Christian marriage. And mm-hmm. the idea of, like, the government being involved in marriage is like, why are we giving you guys a tax write-off just because you fuck a lot? Like, I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. So it's like, okay... And I get it for, like, if you have to adopt a kid or something like that and just custody over your child, you kind of have to determine, I mean, maybe it's sort of like who are the parents of the child, who owns the child, and then how does that work, especially if, you know, parent yeah, dies so and stuff like that. So states can have taxable entities and encourage childbearing and yeah, I, I mean, ta- hey, taxpayers. You know, they want, want taxpayers. At, if you want to look at it from that, I understand it. If you want to, if it's purely economic, hey, I get that. You know, I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, gays don't get tax write-offs because they don't make kids. Hey, you know, figure it out, guys. That's the deal. Um, but uh, do we have to take a break? No. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like, but you can't go into, you know, talking about child custody. I think that's the only reason why I'd say the government has to get involved with marriage. 
because if it if that wasn't a problem, I would say the government should have no tax write-offs for married people, no no such thing as a marriage license. It should be a purely religious, secular thing. You can get married and unmarried because at the end of the day, you know, it's a religious thing. And, I don't know why the government's know. even concerned with marriage. Well, because I think I think it has to do with custody because a lot of people talk about like, oh, you're allowing gay gay couples to have children, and that's against. I see the Christian perspective, and people worry about that, but it's like there are plenty of Christian parents who are way, way, way <laughs> worse at being yeah. parents than you know gay parents, and there are gay Christians. Depending on your interpretation of the religion, it's like not only is the Christian doctrine in charge, but it's this shade of the Christian doctrine. I don't even know how Buddhists feel about gays. Why don't we why don't become a Buddhist country? So anyways, I think when it comes down to, you know, First Amendment freedom of religion, that's why I think gay marriage should be fine. Polygamy should be fine. Uh, bestiality, I think it should be fine. But then you get no, into no, bestiality should not be that's, fine. See, it's fine. It's like, Eric. Why, why Eric. not? Why not? We can kill them and eat them. Dude, that we is can, a whole other We level. can murder them they, they and eat them. They can't consent. They can't consent. It, oh, like, oh yeah, like a goat is really signing a consent form because it, before it gets fucked. It's a goat. It has no idea what the fuck is going on. It's Does it consent to getting killed more, and more, eaten? More, moral concerns. Bestiality cannot be okay. It's like, you know, if if the dog's cool with it, Eric, I don't see a problem. <laughs> this is dangerous why dangerous what's, what's the, like what's the, what's the problem what's the problem is it the consent of the animal because again you kill and eat them so I'm, i don't think the consent is too big of a deal for you so you know where is it against god's law because well, 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 well the government doesn't consent against killing someone that's threatening you but you can still the, the, the person you're killing is so you're consenting saying it's like stand it, but, your ground yeah, like you know, you, the person not giving consent for you to kill them, but the, the state allows it because it follows moral principles. It's like killing an animal follows moral principles because we're eating it for sustenance. And, like for I'm example, fucking just, it so I don't shoot up a school. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Yo, this is not I will never get hired. Let's go. <laughs> My man wants to stay unemployed. Yeah, let's go. You see what I'm saying? Like, you, you can kind of, you know. No, no. You can at least read the lines and not disagree with them, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, where were we? Where were we? Okay, let's get before back. Before fucking animals? Yes, yes. The gay marriage, I guess. And before that. Um, state, state. I mean, actors, yeah. So power, yeah, money. Well, it's like, yeah. What being is top the, dog. Being top dog. Being top dog. Do we need, you know, do we need a sort of religious guidance or, or like, what is our no. doctrine? What, what is our, what is our value structure? Because if we have all this, right, we are this entity, this sort of superstructure of multiple minds, this super mind, whatever you want to call it, kind of like a, I don't know, it's the man of war, uh, like a, a Portuguese man of war where a structure of multiple cells, multiple individual entities put together into one organism. Anyways, I'm saying like, what, the US, we have a lot of power, and so we can choose to do whatever we want with that power depending on who's in charge. Dude, the way, this sounds so simplistic, but the way I see all US laws working, everything the government does, everything we do is for the accumulation of wealth and the enjoyment of wealth. But we act like that's not it. What laws can we make for US citizens for them to successfully accumulate wealth and enjoy that wealth and not be bums? So why don't we take over Canada and Mexico? If, if the whole point is to accumulate wealth, let's accumulate the whole world. But the thing is, that would create adversaries who could be judgmental we'll to our them. accumulation. <laughs> we'll win. <laughs> We're the best. 
Are you forgetting we fuck goats over here, bro? <laughs> you don't. You would be terrified you if you saw a Chinese out of out here. If like, you saw a Chinese guy with a puppy on his dick running at you with a knife, you'd be terrified, bro. You'd be oh, terrified. Why, 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 why this happened? Why <laughs> this happened? talking about it, Why man. this happened? Um, <laughs> what did Eric do last night? No, but you know, you know, it's Ill- it's legal in Canada. You can fuck animals in Canada. Anyway, you can kill yourself legally in Canada. That's funny. See, it's this a- is this is why we should take over Canada. That's something. Okay, why do you think it should be illegal to co- to commit suicide? Yes. Why? It's stupid. They're dead. Oh, don't do it. We're gonna put you in jail. I'm dead. Fuck you. Is it illegal to attempt suicide? I don't think so. Pretty sure that's perfectly legal. It's a dumbass law. I ha- and it's like, what right do you? You don't have to... Uh, who are you to say that I have to keep living? Fuck you. <laughs> I'm done. I'm good. Thanks a lot, buddy. Like, no, fuck you. You don't Eric, have to work you're, you're, not, you're not getting with the goat and having suicide intentions, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you doing uh, in Israel, bro? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but, uh, no, but, like, like for... I think suicide should be legal. It's, you get into dicey waters with assisted suicide because I've, I've heard murmurings about like the Canadians are letting poor people commit suicide. It's like, <laughs> great, they're poor and we can kill them. That's perfect. They're not producing enough wealth. Nick's Nick's. They're like, oh, well, they, that was their choice. That was their choice. You know? But, I mean, I don't think government assisted suicide, but like, to put somebody, like, how does that even work? Because it would have to be illegal attempted suicide because if you succeed, then, you know... <laughs> It doesn't matter. I I don't know what to say. I, I mean, do you see the morals? Like, do you have any more philosophy about behind it? I mean, I assume the th- Christian perspective. The- theologically, I would say God's made all of us with a purpose, and our purpose is not to kill us. That is never, ever is never the intention of God for creation to destroy itself. Okay, but having read the First Amendment, now that. You see, we can't let religion get involved with the laws. Well, yeah. So I say you asked me for theological reason. Okay, my theolog- yeah. That's my theological reason. Okay, okay. Do I? You know, but for a state reason, you know, a state wants. I would say state actors are rational, and they at the end of the day, the state wants it wants a populated a populated base, and it wants a tax paying base of, mm-hmm. of of people, and so having people kill themselves to an extent bad for the economy you could argue that you could argue it's bad Guys. for society <laughs> we know you want to fuck goats and kill yourself but it's just not good for the economy guys <laughs> we want money we, we want, want your money give us at we least want half your money you keep the other half you just don't owe- kill yourself that wasn't that was that's an argument that's been made on here about the whole reason why the government should sponsor hormone replacement therapy is because it's you know these people we've shown a significant reduction in suicides due to hrt and so Overall, economically, it's a better to spend the money on hormones than it is to let them kill themselves because it costs the U.S. economy you know what's more. Really fascinating. In California, they did some studies where they showed that you know all the money we spend on drug treatment, job training, homeless um, re relocate relocation, um, all of that, um, police and um, um, interactions, you know, sending people to jail and everything. If they spend more money in a year. Versus if they housed every single homeless person. Yeah. It's like, 
and then again, I don't think the government should be housing people. But if it's cheaper, if it's <laughs> cheap, cheap. And the other thing too is that great. is the best selling point too, because people will be like that socialist, and you'll be like, "We're saving you. We, we just reduce your taxes." People will be like, mm, "All right, you Dude, win this one, it, socialist." It's crazy. <laughs> and the thing is, like, you know, it's become such a big deal that Governor Newsom worked with some churches and other nonprofits to pass a law in California to allow. You know, vacant church lots and other public lots to be reorganized and rezoned to housing lots. Did you see? So churches now. Sorry, one second. Yep. Churches now can make these lots into housing for homeless people, mm-hmm. and it took them all of this. And this all stems from the problem of affordable housing in California and construction zoning laws. Mm-hmm. You know, people, uh, companies not being able to build more neighborhoods over there mm-hmm. or poorly zoned neighborhoods or poorly constructed neighborhoods, apartment complexes. It all comes down to all these issues in Cali. But yeah, keep going. Well, I was going to say, they, like with that Xi Jinping visit, they cleaned yeah. up San Francisco. Yeah. Which, and, and the argument I've heard is like, well, they said before they couldn't do that because it's illegal. So was it really illegal? Or <laughs> are you allowed to break the laws just for show now? Yeah, exactly. Or what the fuck is going on? Is that, yeah. It was all the... Bruh. They sweeped out a lot of homeless people too. So it's like, what? what <laughs> is the point? What are you guys doing? It's like, it's like, I don't think they even have a, a you know, I think that's that's the curious thing, wondering what what are politicians what makes a politician? Do people do it for the fame? Because why not become a celebrity? Okay, maybe you're ugly, fine. You could be a politician and be famous. People do it because they want power, people do it because they want money, people do it because they have uh, ideas they want to see in place so they're like, you know, Christian evangelicals, or in the same vein but slightly different people have issues and they want to resolve an issue. So, like, if somebody becomes a politician solely for gay rights rather than, uh, yeah. you know, the whole Christian philosophy and it covers a lot more things than just that one issue. Mm-hmm. It's like, and at the end of the day, it's like, I don't, you know, do I know what Gasman Newsom wants? I mean, I'm sure he wants all oh, the diversity and, you know, blah, 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 bullshit that, like, people say democratically. Power. But it's, he yeah. wants the power. It's like, but... What you? Know, it's it's such a. It's kind of like a. I want a bunch of money. It's like, well, what are you gonna spend it on? It's like, well, I want a bunch of money, and then you can just spend it on anything. It's like, well, that's kind of stupid, right? It's like, I want a rocket ship. All right, well, I have to make a lot of money. That makes a lot more sense to me than I just want a lot of monkey money. And they're like, oh, I guess I bought a rocket ship, but I don't really give a fuck. I just had to spend the money on something, you know? Like, what the fuck is are these fucking people, bro? <laughs> Those politicians, man, they make so much money. You look at how right. many millionaires. Not from their salary. You don't know. You see how many millionaires come out of, out of the house. Every just write couple, a couple book, give a couple speeches, clean up nice, bro. Fucking t- Clarence Thomas just getting donated, you know, three hundred thousand dollar RVs. Well, it's no a conflict of interest. It is. I don't, it's horrible. How is that a conflict of interest if the guy coming before me in the court gives me three hundred thousand? I would. Well, my understanding is he just like forgave the loan and like just didn't. Yeah. Did, yeah. I don't. I don't know the details, but to, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he's corrupt. <laughs> Fuck that guy. It's horrible because you know so many. You know people. You know people. Allegedly, spend their whole lives. Spend their whole lives to get in a position like that. Some people will never have that opportunity. And this guy, it just seems like a sleaze bag. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's so disrespectful because that's something that genuinely intrigues me. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Supreme Court. Shout out, but, but the forgotten branch. Let's go. But for him to like be, just so disrespect that, it's 
it really rubs me the wrong way. It really rubs me the wrong way. I mean, but corrupt presidents and uh, legislators <laughs> don't <laughs> rub you the wrong way. You, you expect that from them. Why do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, the you the, the justice system is different, guys. No, but do, they're special. The, there's so there's, they're all assholes. No, but there's so much cross examination, background checks, and everything into all these financial disclosures and all these mm. judges like you ex- you expect these people to be the highest of highest integrity in the country mm. like they're deciding your laws judging with their morals it is the highest of high like, of of integrity mm-hmm. and then you see that it's like come on i think you know i i was talking with my mom and this is funny sad um like it, the the gist of the conversation ended up She's looking at me and she's like, you guys are so fucked, basically. I'm like, <laughs> she's like, it's going to get a lot worse. Things are going to get a lot more expensive. My dad always has the line of, you know, whatever some bullshit happens in the news. He's like, and you're going to pay for it. And I'm like, yeah, they always say that. And I'm like, oh, and the thing is like, <laughs> we're going to pay for that. That $31 trillion deficit. Let's go. Money isn't real. 20 years from now. I'm, it's concerning. It's concerning. Yeah, but it's the boomers say, uh, "I'm going to be uh, dead in ten years." Let's go to war with China. Let's go to war with Ukraine. I'm Russia. Not going to war. I'm old. But I, I think it's like you know, give me my Medicare, my Social Security. Their generation came up as it's you know it's only getting better from here, and you know, and and I wanted to look into I plateaued, don't know, plateaued. I don't know about I don't. I think it's the cycle of ups and downs. And I want to look at what the generation, like the lost generation, what was it like to be them of, or maybe even their parents, seeing that, like the people who were going into World War Two. Who were the who were the fifty year olds with their children going into World War One, World War Two? Were they thinking the same thing of like, you guys are all going to pay for this, you guys are going to be fucked, like. You know, and I don't know if you've heard of the theory of like the four turnings, but it's like every four generations there's a cycle. So there's the you know the baby boomers they have it great, then there's the Gen Xers. I forget what they do. I don't forget what the middle ones do, but it's basically like the Gen Xers do all the weird art, blah blah blah, and then the Gen the millennials are like, oh actually the system's corrupt, blah blah blah. They fucking you know Kurt Cobain and uh, all the you know Columbine kind of people, and then there's the Gen the Gen X who it's like, well now we have to deal with this. Or Gen Z, we have to deal with this giant shit show that's coming. I think we're Gen Z and they're yeah. Gen X. No, no, no. It's it's uh, Boomers X, Millennials Z. Boomers X, Millennials. Yeah, we're Z. So, we're Z. so it's like the Boomers there's, there's had a new good, generation now. Yeah, we are we are the crisis generation, and our kids will be the next Boomers. Basically, they will have the the benefits of our suffering. <laughs> which I'm all I'm all happy for my kids prospering. I sure don't want to go to war, but it's like what we're you know. Right, our parents are saying, "Oh, you guys are fucked." It's like, what were the parents of the last crisis generation saying? What was it like to be the last crisis generation? Were they going into it thinking this is all a shit show? Were they, were, were they the same as us, or is it different now? Dude, I hate how like every other week now I see a new article. Oh, we're getting closer and closer. World War Three. World War Three. World War Three. It's a self fulfilling po- prophecy, bro. World War Three. Watch party. Oh, China missile inter- intercepts. You know, you, you drone. Oh, yeah. World War Three. It's like, it's like, stop, stop. I am of drafting age. I am twenty three. But it's 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 that's the thing is oh, like maybe cut that out. <laughs> well, I mean, you're. Uh, we don't. Whatever. Who cares? I don't know if the age matters, but we'll take. Hey. So, um. 
No, it, I think one thing too is it's like you know we've seen war as Call of Duty and drones, but like once you you know you watch some of this footage, from, or you even like have you seen, seen the, have you seen Saving Private Ryan? No. Okay, it's World War Two. It, it, the intro first scene is Normandy, um, and it is and people are like that is the most realistic. Like World War Two vets are like that's the most realistic thing I've seen when it comes to war movies. It's like just the absolute fear. And just you know you, that door goes down on the on a boat landing on the beach, and you just see the ten guys in front of you get shot down immediately. There is no cover. Your existence is purely by chance. There are people getting their legs blown off. There are people who are just who can't are so panicked they can't even move. Like it's not some cool. We're gonna go in. We're gonna get them. We are America. We're number. It's like no, no, no. This is you versus them, and you might you will die. A lot a good percentage of these people are going to die, and they're gonna die in terrible ways. And, and, and then we're going into it so sort of flippantly of like, well, we're going to go to war. And, and I think a lot of them, you know, maybe it's due to the people in power because they know that they're not, they're so disconnected from it, just like everybody else nowadays. But also, you know, they're, they're, they know they're not going to be the ones going to war or their kids are going to be the ones in charge. So it's like, well, you know, they're not going to be getting gunned down. It's the paupers and the commoners who are going to be used as the fodder of war. It's like, uh, there was something said about World War One. It was like young men who didn't know each other killing each other for old men who did know each other. Yeah, it's, it's like you know because it's like there are letters going back and forth during World War One of like these are cousins who are sending their 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 citizens to go into these terrible conditions and kill each other by the thousands. And it's, if you think the average German gave a shit about the average friend, they don't give a fuck. I, I always, always love reading that. No, I shouldn't say that word love, but that story of, like, the Germans and the French and the American line on, like, 1941 Christmas or whatever. Mm. No, 1917 Christmas or 16. It was during World War One trench warfare where one of the American soldiers came out in the middle of no man's land and, um, like, put his arms up. And like the day before Christmas, like mm-hmm. offered like a, a ceasefire, and then one by one, the Americans, the French, the Germans all started coming out the trenches, and they played soccer. They shared hot chocolate and letters with each other. Do you know the story? Uh, yeah, I've seen. I've uh, seen like the video of it. Yeah, it's like th- of it, but you know, it's like thousands of soldiers, like a whole mile of the line, just stopped fighting, and it was just peace. And they exchanged yeah. letters and they exchanged photos with each other, and then they wouldn't start fighting, and then they got um. The, all those soldiers starting to reposition to different parts of the lot of the of the line so that they wouldn't you know have that they couldn't unify yeah yeah it's like it's back like, to it's the so, bullshit it's like why so messed up all you know these guys don't want to kill each other yeah that is human history is so it's so sad to us because that's a, it's just a, the kids like you and me like we could just be dead tomorrow if you know circumstance has us born today mm. and it's just I you know who knows Maybe people a hundred years now laugh at us. Ha ha! Those people thought they were lucky. They all got nuked to death. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we live in the time of nukes. You know, it's different. Oh, people are gonna be making you know nine eleven jokes about whatever starts World War Three in like you know thirty years. Just our kids are gonna be like, oh, you know, you remember like ten eleven? We're gonna be like, fuck, don't talk about that, Jimmy. And he's like, no, fuck I you. lost like eight of my friends, yeah. two of my brothers. Like, you're like, oh, you guys, Xi Jinping, let's go. And you're like, fuck you. I, I <laughs> lost, like, lost my leg. <laughs> My yeah. nuts got blown off. You um, know, it was an inside job. But it's, it's like you know, <laughs> yeah, it was. you think about the like, what are the common objectives of like the standard Gazan and the standard Israeli? I think both of them just want to have a fine job, 
have a family and just live a nice life. I don't think I, the average person at least average. is on some religious war, is into some, you know, you know, trying to claw their way to power. I think most of them are just like, I just want a nice, calm life. I think that's standard for just about every person in the world is like, if I got a good job, plenty of food, and I got a pretty hot wife to fuck, <laughs> I'm good. I don't need much more than that. But it's all the douchebags who are like, I gotta have a yacht with buttered up goats for me to bang. (laughs) Those are the people who are fucking it up for everybody. But if you go and try and root out those people, we've seen shit like that in, you know, like Mao's China where they're like, oh, you're a university professor? Bourgeoisie, kill them. (laughs) Fucking kill anybody who owns land, kill all the fucking landlords, kill everybody who's in charge. Kill them all because they're all evil. It's like, Man, that you can't. You know, it's like trying to kill all of Hamas. It's like you're. They're gonna filter up. It's a. It's a. It's. It, you know. You're not. It's not a disease, right? You can't eliminate it by killing everybody. It's. It's sort of like an internal mindset that just naturally propagates. It's a niche that will be filled. So you're you, saying it's a parasite? No, it's not a, a parasite. Virus. It's. 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 it's because you argue like a virus. It's, nature, it's inserts, a niche. It's a in DNA and it's unchanging. It's a niche in nature in that it's like, you know, if you if you like kill all the predators in the area, a new predator is going to come because there's plenty of food to eat. So it's like unless you kill all the predators and you kill all the food and you kill all the food that the food eats, you know, like unless you destroy the whole system or so change. Nuke. The whole Middle East needs to get glassed. No, because <laughs> glass. some... Because the fucking Muslims in America or the Muslims that spread around the world or whoever spread around the world is going to be like, oh, that's my homeland. Send me back to my homeland. Oh, did you see what they did to my people? Blah, 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 blah. So unless you basically kill every single human, it's going to happen. We're going to turn the earth to Reach. You want, you play Halo Reach? Uh, no, I didn't play Reach. Well, the whole planet gets glassed, basically. <laughs> Maybe that's for the best. No. I, I believe in the in humanity. I'm not one of those, like, this, nothing matters. We're a parasite on the earth kind of. This is why Musk wants to get to Mars. He, he wants to escape one more three. Oh, yeah. He's going to upload his brain. He's going to go and take over Mars. It's going to be, you know, Elon Mars. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing uh, I don't know if you've heard of Warhammer 40k like that little yeah, mini yeah, yeah. well like one part of the lore is like uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly if this is right but it's like they created AI and it was so powerful they made AI illegal throughout the entire universe because it's super dangerous but like one of these things like it went there was a colony they sent over to Mars and basically Mars is ruled by like a cyborg hybrid hive mind and it's like Elon Musk is gonna do that Elon Musk <laughs> is gonna fucking take over Mar- he's gonna send all his robots over he's gonna Upload his brain and take it over. It's just gonna be a bunch of fucking Teslas driving all over the fucking planet. A bunch of Tesla robots. Yeah, and he's like, hmm, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, the whole fucking time. <laughs> you know, half the robots will be like a Joe Rogan and you know, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan phrases. Joe Rogan's gonna get flown over to Mars to interview the planet. So like, what's it like being a planet? Well, you know, I kind of like. I can't. He's got such a weird accent. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so it's like. I think the by and large standard person just wants an okay life and it's sort of oh well this gets kind of like crazy but it's like the the people in power use that against them they like take their you know happiness hostage and they trade like okay we'll give you a regular life if you go kill these people (laughs) or like some shit like that i don't i don't think it's bad i don't think equality you know you can't have equal outcome from everybody and i think people want different things not everybody wants a family and to be like you know a subsistence farmer and all that shit um i want to rule the world yeah yeah exactly and there's a place for that you know we have plenty of jobs for people who want to rule the world um but 
I don't. It, I'm not gonna advocate for the destruction. I think you know, kind of flipping the 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 flipping the tables not a good solution to the problem. So it's like, all right, what are how can we work towards fixing the human system to something that kind of you know doesn't lead to war or like systematic war. And you could say, we'll take over the world and then there's a war. There's going to be internal conflicts. I don't think that's going to work. Is it the, like, the value structure of the government? Because you can miss... Okay, we're, we'll take a quick pause. We'll be right back. Oh, we're back. We're back. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you think, do you think we're going to... Is it worth it to try and get to, to assist? Because the way I've seen it, kind of how it happens is you have a bunch of philosophers like you know Socrates or Marx <laughs> who say we should do this and then you got to give it a certain amount of years depending on Socrates versus whatever Marx said it takes a couple of years for then some idealistic young people come and they establish a new country and then they die and then the people who are living in this new country come up and they put their ideas in so sort of the Lenin to Stalin transition and then it's like well, and then those ideas are carried out in some bastardized form, or not necessarily bastardized, but changed form from the original philosopher, most certainly, and then also from the revolutionary. And then you kind of see what how that works, and then you have to have that system run again because there's going to be faults. That's sort of the the you know guess and check of government or society, as it were. So, you know, I wonder, like, do we need the philosopher right now? Or are we, you know, because I, well, Marx was before World War II. So, and and the fascists came out. Well, the fascists came out a little bit before World War II. They were like in the twenties, uh, I want to say, is when Mussolini first started doing that. But like there were the, the there was a groundwork laid for nationalism years before that. Um, and there's different things that sort of produce the necessity for it to be able to happen. So what I mean, what are your thoughts on that? The world needs Jesus. The one Bruh, Jesus, we tried that, bro. We tried that. Rome's <laughs> over. Okay, move on. Nobody cares. Obviously, that doesn't work. We need rational state actors. Like the Soviets? Mm. Hmm, I don't know if I'd call that rational. State wasn't tried properly, bro. I don't know. Um, I don't, it's, it's like if you set down like the objectives of like the morals of the state, of course, the morals are going to be up for interpretation, but maybe that's a bit better. But then it's like, okay, are the morals of the state not set up by the Constitution? Not really. I mean, there's the the rights, but a right is not a moral. You know, I mean, what do you think? Like, what do you think the point of the U.S. is? It's a tough. I don't know the answer, so I don't. You know, it's tough, especially on the spot. But you know. Bunch of pilgrims moving over here, and the religious just fuck you. Pursuing pursuing religious freedom, you know, you could argue that the U.S. is a country built for people to reach the maximum freedom and happiness, and so I guess that's one argument. That's the purpose of this country. I think if you ask the average citizen, you know, with no historical context, what they think the purpose of America is, like. What do you think the purpose of America is or their goal? Like, they say, oh, for people to be happy and free. You know, I, I think some people, I think majority of people would say that. Like, what are the goals of America mm. for its people? And I'd say that has historical context and the fact that a lot of people. That's you know, the mythology flee. of the state. That's the mythology of the state. And I feel like there is some practical applications of that. I think there is a lot of free. Like, in this country, you can, mm. like, genuinely, you can walk outside 
and yell. Yeah, you can yell that the FBI was behind 9-11. You can yell that Biden is a pedophile. You can go some states in this country. You can go walk around with, the, with you know, AK-47 on your back. Mm. Like, you have tremendous freedom. You here. have to. You have to give us cred. Give yeah, us you cred give, where creds yeah, do. But okay, but can we drive tanks around? No, so we're not that free. I'm mm. just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, obviously, well, our, if you have the license. Yeah. So that was true. You can't tank license. You can't walk around the RPG. You can't, you know, set off a flare in the middle of your city. You can't mm. drive around in a tank. You can't yell fire in a theater. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some things you can't do. So you can say, to an extent, freedom is mitigated. It's restricted, but. I guess you still argue that the purpose of the state is to create a happy, free, mm-hmm. and healthy populace. And well, that's because it, I don't remember which philosopher it was, but it's basically like the state is given its power by the consent of its constituents. So unless you keep the people happy, they'll fucking rip the state down to shreds. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> sometimes in practice, you know, if you move the goalposts, then yeah, you can keep them happy, but not by the previous definition. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think the U.S. is good. Well, yeah, it's solid. Yeah, I think it's solid. It's a good try, especially compared to other options. It's a good option for a country right now. We could do better. Maybe maybe, not, maybe ancient good. Athens was better. Maybe. I mean, everybody, you know. <laughs> In democracy, you know. Well, not everybody. <laughs> not really that many people. You know, if you were a citizen, everybody. But you know, if you're a woman or woman or poor, I think the poor can participate. No, yeah, yeah. No, at least not for a while. Not when it was set out. That's see, that's the thing too. Like, if you look at um, you're right, you're right. It was every Athenian citizen, but they had their own property. Like, there's yeah. a bunch of requirements. But that's like, if you look at um, what Socrates says in the Republic, or Plato writes of Socrates in the Republic, oh, okay. like he says, the best state is run by the philosopher king. And oh, wait, wait, let me see. I think is that Plato? That is Plato. Yes, correct. Yeah, that's Plato. That's Plato. And like the the reasoning behind it, like right, you leave the bread making to a bread maker. Yeah, so there's, like, there's, like, there's like multiple classes. There's the philosopher king, there's the guardians, which are yeah, like there's the, like oligarchies right behind it, and then there's like the people who are like the Spartans, kind of like the warrior the people. Warriors, and he's and like, democracy's pretty low on that. Uh, right? It's just above like the tyrant, which is funny because it's like back to one person being in power. But yeah. yeah. Well, he, he ranks, forms government, and then he also divides society into classes. So mm-hmm. the philosopher kings was the aristocracy. Yeah, yeah, it was the aristocracy, but it was the subclass for aristocracy. Mm. Then there was the guardians, the warriors, and then there was um like the merchants and the merchants. The, I think there's there's only four. There's only four breakdown. Mm. It's kind of yeah. similar to like the Hindu caste system, um, but uh, like what he talks about those is, is like right, leave the bread making to the bread makers, yeah. leave the policy making to the policy makers. Why would you have democracy when you have bread makers telling policy makers how to make their policy? Do the policy makers tell the bread makers how to make their bread? Exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, you think about it, and you know, kind of if you pay attention and you get a little conspiracy, it's like, oh, I kind of see why people are acting the way they're because, like, right? If you if depending on if you argue with somebody a little bit too hard about democracy they'll say we're not a democracy we're a republic and you're like oh electoral college and and then people will try to tear it down oh we're still you know we're democratic republic but even though we're republic we're still democracy because we have representation Mm -hmm. we're not quite a republic we're still democracy people you know we are a democracy a democratic republic but nonetheless a democracy yeah not a pure democracy pretty close no, 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 we're not pure democracy by any mm. means, but 
we are I mean I guess that would be every person votes on every single bill you know yeah. don't elect people but uh, we're representative we're representational yeah but it's 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 interesting when you think about sort of um, you know looking at like every Supreme Court justice except for one went to an Ivy League school kind of thing yeah or like you know it, 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 you, you see kind of like the lineage of oh Dick Cheney was the vice president and now I think Liz Cheney is his daughter who's now in this in the, the Wyoming yeah she's like I don't know if she's a senator or just a congresswoman but she, congresswoman got voted out she, uh, Trump hated her yeah. all the Republicans hated but, her but like you, you know you see these lineages of like or the Bushes, right? Yeah. They're trying to get Bush 3 in. Or the Kennedys. It's, it's yeah, like, look the Kennedys. The Kennedys it's, is... It's like, you know, we might want to think... It, it, uh, they say Robert it, F. Kennedy has like 23% of the vote right now, which yeah. is crazy. But it's like the sort of lurking idea of like, it's a democracy, but we're not going to let you in charge unless you're part of the ruling class, unless you're part of the aristocracy, but it's for your own good. It's like, well, and sometimes I see some people who are fucking idiots and I'm like, your vote counts just as much as my vote. <laughs> Fuck that. But then it's like, but democracy. But then you're like, was, but are we a democracy or like, should we be a pure democracy like that? And then, and then talking about this, like, I think it was James Madison talked about like the madness of the mob, right? The point of the electoral college is like, you can rile the people up and get everybody to agree on some pretty stupid shit. And, you know, they might not even agree, but it's the mob and you don't go against the mob. And it's like, that's true, too. So it's- can you imagine, like, one day at Electoral College, like, turning it? Dude, imagine, like, okay, this is crazy. Imagine Trump got elected and Electoral College turned against him. No. Dude, can you imagine? That, that, dude, that'd be crazy. Chaos. 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 I, I can see. I can see if you. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how intense Americans really are, but I'll, mm. would people go to arms over that? Like, well, that I, I discussed that too before. Uh, like, my thought was like, I don't think the electoral college is going to be the problem, but it's once you have to get down to a Supreme Court case of can the sitting president pardon himself for felonies? Or, I think can because if he gets. You know, like if these cases go through, and you can argue that these, you know, the judicial system's being weaponized against him. Plenty of, you know, Hunter Biden, other people get away with this shit, but he can't. But you know, stuff like that, right? Uh, or you know, election meddling. You know, they paid Twitter so that he couldn't get elected. You know, they paid. You know, they blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. The Hunter Biden laptop was suppressed, etc. Um, but if he gets elected, but he gets convicted, and now it's a matter of. You can't be president. The Supreme Court says so versus Trump says I'm yes. I'm pretty sure it's not against the law to be a felon and be president. I don't... I, it's not against the law. I, there are certain things that do bar you from public office. You, you, can be, you can have a felony and be president. But I've heard it's like, yeah, you can get elected in jail. Like, people have run for public office in jail. But uh, there's... Well, I'm saying, like, the, the conflict is going to be if Trump gets elected or Trump loses again. If there is a conflict about... Whether or not Trump has power, is that going to be enough to sway the people? Because it's like the Civil War happened because, you know, the Southern economy depended on slavery. This is, you know, it's more than just political opinion. This is, you're now messing with the bread on my plate. And that's, I think, when war actually happens is, did you, you know, what is the reason for war? You look at Israel Hamas, it's like, oh, 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 oh," or, you know, the Gazans are challenging us economically. No, it's you killed somebody or you're making it so we're poor. When it actually hits at home, right? Because a lot of people don't vote because they're like, doesn't make a difference in my life kind of shit. 
which maybe, but yeah, it, it unless it makes a significant difference in the lives of in the daily lives of Americans, I don't know that they would uprise. Or maybe it would be sort of the part of the lead up to the uprising. But I don't think it it would be enough to really cause people to to revolt. That's valid. That's valid. You probably get some crazies here and there. Those people in Michigan that try assassinating the governor. Like you probably get some. But they, you know, crazies are always around. You know, but I think I think it made the crazies act up though. It would make the crazies. I mean, but you saw crazies acting up during George Floyd, right? That wasn't a revolution. People weren't. You know, there wasn't a revolution of like. No. You know. Yeah, George. But the people who would rev up over Trump would be like fascists. They got a lot more guns. And, and, and <laughs> guns and. Dude, you see what those guys that wanted to kidnap the governor of Michigan? Mm. That was just because of COVID. I thought some of that shit was organized by the FBI or some shit. Like, wasn't it a Whitmer? Like, it was like 12 of the 15 people in the conspiracy were like FBI agents or really? informants. I don't, there, I, don't know if I don't know if we're talking about the exact same one, but there is a case of people trying to kidnap an official and 12 of the 15 people were FBI informants. And then it was just three of them were actually like crazy enough to fucking try that shit. And it's like... What's the point of the intelligence community if they're just cooking up crimes to solve? You know what I mean? It's like a plumber breaking shit. Like, oh, this shit's broken. Got to fix that. Oh, that shit's broken. Like, yeah, because you fucking broke it. Like, you're not doing your job. But, oh, well, we got to secure our funding because if we don't spend it next year, then we're not going to have it. Or if we don't spend it this year, we're not going to have it next year. It's like, it's like, where are the checks on that in the government? Where are the checks on... You know the, the military industrial complex. Oh, one of my family members works in the government. Was telling me that one of the worst parts for job was seeing the waste, seeing people spend as much money as they could mm-hmm. that they didn't need, just so they could meet previous year's quotas. Yeah, because they don't want to get less money. You're taught you don't want to get less money from the government being allocated to you, so you use all the money you get, like wasting on people just doing like, nothing on the clock. Isn't like, that a good thing? It's like. Well, we didn't spend as much money because we don't need it. So, yeah, go ahead. Don't give us no, as much money. Then the government gives them less money, and, and then they don't, like, they don't want that. But then less money is worse than more money. Yeah. Everybody knows that. <laughs> the, you know, I, I it's know. very human. It's very human. But it's fucked. <laughs> the, the military wastes so much. The defense department wastes oh so Oh, my God. Much. Yeah, well, I mean, you just Money. look at how fucking overpriced. It kind of reminds me of, like, the health industry of, like, you know, a $600 Band-Aid. That's kind of the probably shit's going on with the military industrial company. I mean, you look at some of these missiles. It's like a million dollars every shot. You're just like, what? I can make that. What? A million dollars? Like, how many taxpayers, their entire, their entire year's taxes, how many years people's worth... Like yearly tax went to right. one missile. You're right. One missile. Somebody's bro. entire life taxes went to one missile. And it's like, well, why don't we just give that to you know, no, not don't give that to the enemy country. But it's like instead of shooting that missile as a practice round, why don't you just give it back to everybody who paid for it? I bet they would benefit a lot more. I bet the overall economy would probably benefit a lot more dude. if you're getting you know ten thousand dollars back on taxes. Dude, like the new bomber jets. Like, um, I saw oh, the fucking what this. is it? The one trillion dollar F thirty five project. Each jet costs a hundred million dollars, and they have like a fifty half the time they can't even fly. More they they spend more time getting fixed than they do flying. Which is you know it's not like there's a ratio similar to that with like other jets because their shit's always broken. I know at Air Force McKinney's like they're always broken. They're just when we let them fly, they're just less broken. <laughs> you know they're fixed enough to fly, but it's like. They're, the amount of flight time that they have is shitty even for a jet. And it's like, we spent a trillion dollars, one thirty-third of our national debt on that, a trillion dollars? 
Is it what the fuck cost a trillion dollars? Unfathomable. It's like unfa- have you seen the, the, the yeah? Sorry, I was gonna say the new bomber jets. You said 100 million. How much, how much do you think the new bomber jets like are? Like the B1 or the B12? B21s, brand new ones. Mm, no, I don't. Have you heard about those? Uh, not the B21s, no. They're pretty cool. The B21B Raiders, they're called. They're like the brand new stealth jets. Haven't been are they the Dorito ones? Yeah, Dorito ones. Oh. Brand speaking new. Oh, the, the, the autonomous ones. Um, Yeah, they're going to be autonomous, they hope, eventually. But yeah, brand new spanking jets. They're planning on building 100 of them. Mm. Guess how much they cost? How much? Take a guess. A uh, billion apiece. Close. 700 million apiece. 700 million apiece. You could give every American two bucks. <laughs> Which, I, that's not that impressive. But, like, or you could give, like, you know, 700 Americans a million dollars. And that's why put it into context. Every single American sacrificing two dollars to send a jet into the sky. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but, like, I mean, that just kind of, like, well, not everybody pays taxes, but that kind of just shows you, like, the amount of fucking because like imagine like what does the average taxpayer pay like let's say 10 grand i don't i don't know but 15 like grand. 15 grand okay that's how many thousands of those jets could we build with just tax money alone it's like well, there's a lot of fucking money going to the like i don't think people realize how much money dude, the government I, I, spends trillions of dollars every year dude I, I think the revenue the government revenue in a given year is four trillion dollars like something. oh that's a fuck ton of money a fuck ton of money a fuck ton of money. like you can't even fat and like the thing I was gonna say is, is if you see like what the what you could do with a trillion dollars things like you could build every new school brand new and still have enough left over to give everybody like a thousand dollars and shit you're like and that's just one trillion dollars that's not the we, four we, trillion dollars we mismanage our money so much bro for how much money they get in taxes it is so criminal because we're rich biatch and it's not our money right the free rider problem well, it's, you know, it's not my money, but it is your money. But but you don't. But it goes through a big old crazy machine. You know, you give it to the machine. Oh, that sucks. I hate taxes. But then you get it back. You're like, well, I'm gonna spend the shit out of this. If other countries could get like a year of our tax revenue, bro, they would. They would. We have our tax revenue is enough to like buy entire countries. Like not the yearly production, the whole thing. By well, an island. Well, yeah, they're they're talking about like seri- like serious negotiations. We're buying Greenland. Yeah, would probably be near a trillion dollars. That let's do it. Why not? That's that seems like it's worth. I, it. I actually support that. There's I, a I, bunch I, of gas under there too. Yeah, for, you know, everybody, everybody's pretty. You know, how dare Trump say that? But actually, no, like. Why not? Who gives a shit? If we weren't a deficit, and you know Denmark, Denmark owns. I'm pretty sure they're having a struggling yeah. economy. Like if they're really struggling one day. You know. Don't trillion dollars will buy. We'll give you. every all five of the Greenlands a couple bucks, and they won't <laughs> There's care. There's only like sixty thousand people there. Yeah, what, the, oh, the culture's like what culture? <laughs> they're like, like how, they interviewed somebody in Greenland. Like, how dare America think they can buy us? But like, uh, you're run by another yeah. country. Literally yeah. owns you. So we're in an independent colony. <laughs> Thank you very much. Show some respect. <laughs> We appreciate our current colonists over We'd us. We'd probably be better. We'd probably be nicer. We'd give them a lot more money. We have a lot more resources. Yeah, they get, get, get US. They get Medicare. They're but you know, Puerto Rico. If they get made a state, Puerto Rico, be like those fucking assholes. I fucking hate them. Imagine, uh, bro. That's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. 
It'd be kind of cool if we took over Canada, though. Just saying. And for funsies. For funsies. You, for funsies. You, you know, we can't, we can't take over Canada, but we can still get Greenland. We can still get Greenland. We can it's buy not too Greenland. Late. It's not too late. One day we'll buy Maybe Canada. Maybe I'll become president just to do that. Do it, bro. That'd be fucking... Like, how dare you spend a trillion dollars? Hey, we spent one point four trillion dollars on an invisible infrastructure bill. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I was saying infrastructure near me, but Bridget, yeah, still fucking potholes everywhere. So <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's to be t- spent over ten years. But <laughs> because by that time it'll be worth one tenth of what we said it was worth <laughs> when we spent it. But I honestly, that'd be the funniest shit if you run. What's your What's your platform? I'm buying Greenland. What do you think about the economy? Don't care. Buy Greenland. <laughs> Don't give up foreign policy. Well, first, for my foreign policy, we're going to buy Greenland. <laughs> uh, and that's it. And then you buy Greenland and you quit. Second day in office, quit. I wonder how patriotic people get around that. Like, yeah, let's buy Greenland. Oh, the memes would be the best, bro. I'd be like, fucking America's so rich, we buy another country. Fuck you. That's. Let's. I want to do it. So Roland, we can give every Greenland citizen Medicare. Bro. It'd be so cheap. It's only like 50,000 people. We're going to give all Greenland people healthcare for life. Oh, like- we'd be so pissed off. <laughs> Everybody would be like, oh, they get healthcare? They're not even Americans. We don't if, get our oh, own fucking if you move to hel- you move to Greenland, we'll give you free healthcare for life. You know, motherfuckers, but you know. All the fucking shivering homeless people are just like, oh, fuck. There'll be, be a solution. Yeah. All homeless people just go to Greenland. I mean, just buy them a house at that point. We got the land. Just send them all to fucking Montana, bro. Like, there's nobody there. There's literally nobody there. It's like there are... Oh, I forgot. It's like there's more people in, like, Alberta or, like, Calgary, Canada, the one city, than there is in, like, parts of Wyoming, uh, Montana, North and South Dakota, and, like, the north of uh, Minnesota or some shit combined. Like, there's nobody there. Because it sucks. There's no water. And it's cold Ooh, as fuck. Well, I said one of the beautiful things about life still is that there is this conception that like, oh, all the world's developed and everything. You're all screwed. And all that. Like, no, there's still you know huge majority of the world that is like, completely untouched and populated, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. And it should still stay that way. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of population centers are consolidated and overpopulated. That's mm-hmm. the issue. Like a lot of population zones, like look at the Northeast, it's mm-hmm. all consolidated. And it's overpopulated for where it's consolidated. Mm-hmm. So, like, like in India and like all Pakistan and other countries like that, like, there's a lot of population. Yeah, there's just too many people over there. There's, oh yeah, there's way, like, there's, I feel like you can still fit. You can still. You can, I would argue you could fit three billion people in India, but you'd have to. You'd have to really. Yeah. You'd have to. India has sh- organized it well with more population than all of Australia. <laughs> like. The entire con- I mean, that's because most of Australia is like an uninhabitable place. Dude, it's only. But, I didn't realize Australia is only like twenty six million people. Yeah, yeah. twenty six million. That's it's less than California. Yeah, it's like almost Florida, and it's almost as big as the United States. Well, I love Megan's comparison. Florida is Australia light. Like everything about it. Our alligators are you know Australia's crocodiles light. Yeah. Our, our scorpions are we have scorpions but that's poisonous as Australia's. We have you know poison venomous snakes that are as venomous as Australia's. We have venomous octopus and jellyfish is not as venomous as theirs. We're, we we have literally we are literally Australia light. Mm. Our politics Australia light. Our Florida man. No, Austra- we're far more conservative than Australia. Australia is very yeah, liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and like they're also like mainly just fucking desert. It looks like Mars out there with <laughs> bushes on it. Like, fuck that. Yeah, I've, I've been no. to Sydney and other places. You've been to before. Sydney? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful over there. Yeah, that's I love lush. the vibe. They have like a rainforest area. They have yeah. areas where it's like they get too, like 
six feet of rain in one day. That's all the rain for the year. It's just all at once, and then the rest of the time it's That's fucking crazy. desert. Yeah, I think we spent most of our time out back though. So I was exposed. I went to Haystack. No, no, no. What's that? What's that big rock over there? That one that like I know about the, that. The famous one in the desert. Lesser country? I don't think so. <laughs> it was miserable though. Was, we'd wear we'd wear hats with masks with like nets on them because there's so many flies. Mm. It was gross. The outback is gross. Don't recommend. I'd want to go to Alaska, but the mosquitoes are like mm, I don't, no. don't want to deal with that fucking That's shit. That's pretty cool. I don't, I don't deal with the mosquitoes. It's only certain times of the year. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. But. No, <laughs> I'm Mr. Worldwide out here. I'd visit. Oh yeah, let's go. Fucking people in the Walmart. Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, I think I think it'd be cool to have a house like out somewhere rural. Like, cause I went to North Dakota and a little bit of Wyoming, and it's so it's beautiful and just the like the just wide open landscapes, and you can just buy like a hundred acres for like a pretty. It's not it's not cheap, but like. You could just buy a fuck ton of land, enough land to never see anybody. Hey, hear me out. Hear me out. A couple of my buddies were talking about all of us chipping in in the early thirties, and there's a like a really big vacation place for all the homies. Bro, hey, you gotta get on it. Let's all, fucking do all it. All of us, like ten of we us. We can seed it with fucking bison and go out there and hunt <laughs> on ATVs with fucking yeah. I'll just fucking e- shoot the shit. E- either giant place Montana, or we'll get a place in Europe, like a, a house in Europe. I'd be more interested in Montana, but okay, we're thinking about Europe. Does Greenland count as Europe? No, I don't. I think it's still North America. North America, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm still for buying um, Greenland. Greenland. Oh yeah, we should buy the fuck out of Greenland. It's kind of crazy though. Like Trump brought that up. At a, where did he bring that up? He, that's so random. He just casually tweeted. Deals. He makes deals, bro. He's all about. Acquiring real estate—that's his whole thing. That's I love like there's like some like Washington Post opinions and stuff like you know. It's actually not a bad idea for the U.S. to buy. <laughs> Dude, there's so much fucking gas hidden underneath Greenland. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's oil deposits and that's everything. That's something people are like. Global warming's bad and all, but like, bro, once it fucking happens, we can get so much gas. It, it, yeah, it, it's great. It's great for Canada, Greenland, and Russia. Global yeah. warming is fantastic. Northwest for Passage, let's go! <laughs> finally, finally, bro, I've been waiting for this one. Uh, man, I don't know. I guess we're not totally. We're not fucked. You know, I, I'm, I'm. I think I'm we won't. Your I don't think we're gonna nuke ourselves to death. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I don't think we're gonna do it. At least, yeah. At least I don't think the U.S. or China would. I, I part of me is just so concerned about Russia. Russia. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Pakistan, it, it, but yeah, Russia, and North Korea. Well, I mean, no, Russia's I, got a fuck ton of nukes. To, yeah. Yeah. Like, my, my concern would be like you know Pakistan, India getting a skirmish, or India, China. I think India, India, Pakistan could be a nuclear skirmish issue, but like in terms of the U.S., I think it's just between North Korea and the slight, slight, slight chance of of Russia. Mm. Well, I mean, you've heard the whole theory of like the reason why the North Koreans want their nukes is because it's like now we can't fuck with them. It's like we asked. I forget, it was like in Libya, we asked them to give up their nuclear program, and then uh, Gaddafi ended up getting a pole shoved up his ass. And then every, and then all the other countries who were telling them to stop developing nukes are like, no, that shit's going to happen to us. You're just going to take us over as soon as we commit to not having nukes. And that's like, and fair enough, I mean, I, I, fuck Kim Jong-un, but like... F- respect, I guess, for that one point. Like, you get the nukes to keep the U.S. from doing... Like, 
what you gonna do now, bitch? Like, I got a nuclear bomb. I'll blow the fuck out of Japan. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Japan's like, like, not again, guys. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, it's a viable strategy, obviously. It must be scary being Japan that having been nuked once, having been nuked by the U.S., somebody considered an ally, and now you have... Not at the time. I know, I'm, I, but, like, now, because you're an ally, and now you're dealing with adversaries who literally have nukes pointed at you. That's kind of... I wonder, I want to know what their, like, deterrence, they're, like, they've got to have some Japanese dome, so, you know, so iron dome going it on can't protect, it can't, it's not enough though I mean they, I don't I mean maybe not against hypersonics but like maybe it's North, 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 North Korea maybe I don't know that North Korea has hypersonics I've heard no, murmuring no. I don't know I think we don't even know if you know you know Russia's hypersonic missiles are even that effective because it's been reported that like dozens have been shot down by Ukraine mm. so really because I know they've been used I don't I don't know that they've they, been like they've been shot down Ukraine. that effective by the by U.S. Patriot missile systems. Oh, not by Ukrainian missile systems. Oh, of course, not. really. Of course that's not. that's amazing. <laughs> that is a, it's something too. Like you know, we are as a country are so good at war. We are the war tribe, and it's like our economy. Like one, the military industrial complex, obviously. But like when you look at like craft, Matt, you know, craft. One of the reasons why it was such a huge company is because right after they kind of got it, got going, they got a huge military contract in World War II. Same thing with Coca-Cola. They got these huge military con- contracts that not only got all the soldiers used to eating all their product products alone, but also just a fucking enormous revenue source from the United States government just giving them a fuck ton of money. And it's like, and that happened for more than just those two companies. And it's like... Man, fucking war makes a lot of fucking money. Well, hell, Russia's economy is surviving on the sanctions and everything because they're making money, 18, 18 billion a month for their oil, which is directly, you know, keeping their war campaign alive. Mm-hmm. And the whole military industrial complex, like, it's actually benefiting the average Russian. He's like, the soldiers dying. It's like, the way it's functioning, it's, it's still generating income for the average. More pie for less people. Yeah, exactly. So the war is actually keeping the economy steady and it's had like a slight growth over the last two years which is bizarre it's well like when it comes to russia i heard this statistic about during the cold war i think it was towards the end it was like the u.s was spending i think it was like maybe eight percent or something like that on the military industrial complex whereas russia was spending 25 percent and they could not afford it like they were and they were producing a lot less too and it's like you know one i mean the, the whole idea is like war is you don't want to go to war because it's going to cost a fuck ton of money and you want to end the war as soon as possible. That was the that was the classical thought all the way up to, I think, World War Two. But now it's changed. Money. Where it's like, no, we can make a fuck ton of money off this war. It's like, <laughs> well, it's like you, should, you should go look at like Lockheed, Lockheed Martin and a bunch of uh, North, Northam. Northrop Grumman. Like a bunch of them after October 7th. Oh, yeah, they fucking stock prices shot up. Shot up. It's crazy. Well, I mean, that's just smart investing at that point. Like, <laughs> I would fucking do that. Yeah. I mean, and not that I agree with, you know, military industrial complex. But it's like, it's like, listen, if you want to make a good investment, you know products are getting bought. All right. This, there's no question about it. I would have done the same thing after Russia invaded Ukraine. I'd be like, invest. I, I, invest. I don't believe I'm making money off of wars, which is unfortunate. I know people in my, my family who've made a lot of money off of the wars. Oh, yeah, bro. I mean, it is a it's a money maker. I know a lot of engineers who, like, because that's a very like, lucrative. That is the, like, the pipe. UCF is a feeder school. We have 
like rooms that are the Lockheed Martin room. We have an L3 Harris building, which they're a huge, well, yeah. yeah, huge military contractor. I forget what uh, what the fuck they've made. They've made some stuff where you're like, what L3 Harris made that? Like, oh, what is it? Uh, night vision. You see the night vision goggles with the four fucking mm-hmm. eyes on it. That's L3 Harris. You know how much those night vision goggles cost? I look. I know. I tried to buy them. Forty four thousand yeah. dollars each. Hey, you can even buy a cheap uh, scope. For uh, I should have got so too. Yeah, <laughs> can't no. self-incriminate myself here, but they're selling one for eleven thousand. So hey, man, if you can buy it, it's legal, man, bro. But uh, but it, like, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, like it is a very lucrative business, you know. And a lot of people, I think, just don't like you don't see the the immorality of it, or maybe you don't even consider it immoral. And so it's very like easy to be a cog in that machine. And you know, I I can't really judge. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, I, you know, that's that's a choice that people make. Uh, but when you look at it, sort of objectively, just seeing these companies make money off of war or you know the threat of war. People dying. People dying. People. A lot of people are dying right now. So we're making money. Let's go. No. <laughs> that's People, a bad bad way to round it out dude they, they <laughs> shot up the October 7th that's crazy but yeah Russia is still surviving and um I don't know where I was going with that yeah Russia I mean yeah despite our sanctions that's sort of like the the thing of like we thought we controlled the world and then we're like stop it and they're like no what well, these, do you gonna do about it these we, we did definitely judgmentally had an effect on them but they're just able to squeeze by with the help of China. Yeah. Like, and India. Because they're making that money. Yeah. But if they didn't have China and they had just India or they had just China. Yeah. If they didn't have China, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be significantly different. But I like, uh, oh. Then again, they're selling like so much oil, so much oil to India. Yeah. And, like, like and so they're pushing cheap. China and Russia closer together. And India's selling that oil to the U.S. Yeah. and other countries. It's, just, it's Indian oil. They're a big producer of oil, apparently. <laughs> India's making a buttload of money off of this. But, like, I, you know, I've heard it, it, you know, we need to support Ukraine because they're our first line of defense against Russia invading NATO, and then all of us having to get involved. What's well, like, like... It's Russia, though. They're not that powerful, you know? Like... They can't take over Ukraine if we're just giving them guns. So it's like, if they went to war with NATO, like, we would fucking blow them out of the fucking yeah, water. I don't think any rational Russian actor would have any intention of going to war with NATO. I mean, you could argue that Putin is not a rational Russian well, actor. Well, after seeing the conflict in Ukraine, where they can they can barely take over. They can barely take over these little 10,000... I mean, they've got like 20% of the, the land now. Uh-huh. 20% of the land is under Russian control yeah, now. I mean, they've had Crimea. We didn't do shit about that. But yeah. now it's a big deal. Now we care. But, like, <laughs> Russia can barely, at the cost of hundreds of thousands of lives, take, like, these... Like, they lost, I think, like, in the last month, they lost, like, 15,000 soldiers to this mm-hmm. one town and still didn't take it over. It's called mm-hmm. Zvitka or something. Like, how do they expect to get any territory in Poland, which is the largest land army in Europe now? Mm-hmm. How do they expect to get any... Anything against Poland, against Germany, against... They could get, like, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. Those guys are little bitches. Little punk-ass little, little bitch. They're in NATO. They, they have better they army. They are in NATO. They, dude, you know, you said they, have, they have fighter jets and stuff. They have better militaries than Ukraine. 
Lithuania is a better military than... I'm skeptical about that one. Well, okay, I mean, they are in NATO. I, I mean, I don't think it, it doesn't really even matter, though, that they have the good army because the United States and Poland has the good army and their allies by means of treaty. But this is like... It's almost like a World War II meets World War One boogaloo of, like, everybody's going to war because of treaties, treaties but also we have these cool yeah. authoritarian leaders, so it's a little bit of both, you know, rather than the kings going to war because of treaties. Well, I mean, it is kind of like the kings going to war because of the treaties, but we call them oligarchs now, whatever the fuck. You, which is Russia? Is Putin, like, the president? Prime Minister? I mean, Luthien is pretty damn weak, not gonna lie. <laughs> you have five helicopters and... They only have five, bro. Five transport ships, no fighter jets or anything. Yet. Man, we blow up five just in training exercises. We're the fucking helicopter king. No, but it's crazy how strong Poland is now. Oh, yeah, respect Poland. Poland has the strongest army in Europe. It's yeah. crazy. You know, after being abused for centuries... They used to be fucking so millennia. They used to be in the USSR. And they were in the Holy Roman Empire. They were in the... Oh. Ottoman Empire, they were... Everybody's had a piece of Poland. Oh, yeah. They've been getting fucked for a while. Well, I mean, no wonder they got a fucking big-ass heart. They're like, not I, I, I wonder if this is the first time in history, Europe's history, where Poland's had the biggest military. Probably. I... Yeah, maybe. And they, they have a strong, apparently, they have a... Whatever, the PPE rank or whatever it is for, like, person's income or whatever, is like, average income, relationship, whatever... Is it higher in Poland than it is in UK starting this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're a huge manufacturing base for Europe. And it's like not just, it's more like even complex manufacturing, not necessarily just Chinese goods. But yeah, they're a huge, huge blossoming economy, making a fuck ton of money. People, I, I forget what the concerns were about the economy, but they're, you know, they're a rising star of Europe. Shout out Poland. Those guys, and their architecture is beautiful. Um, meanwhile, UK is like, bah! What do they do? What do they do? They're a Literally, mess. what do they do? The UK's a mess. They make, they make Rolls Royce and broken jets. Great. They <laughs> sell cars to 10 people a year. Congratulations. Yeah, you make jets. Fine. You know. Financial hub, London. I mean, yeah, for Russians. <laughs> Russia's bank. Hey, wait a minute. Don't look at us. You know, like fucking Switzerland with all their Nazi gold and all that shit. Yeah. Screw Switzerland. Shout out. I don't know. I feel like they got it pretty good. It's like, neutral. No, no. Not getting involved. You can no, you put your money here. We're not getting involved. You can't, put your money here. Can't really be... What neutral people are pussies? Is that the? I feel like when you're neutral, you're always picking a side. You're secretly picking a side. Yeah, I mean that's sort of like uh, the villain from GI Joe selling guns to both sides. I mean, <laughs> I, I is that the worst? I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily bad. I mean, they kept Nazi money. That's pretty bad. Yeah, but I mean they kept you know European money. I'm sure. I mean the Europeans didn't have a Holocaust, but it's not like they were without sin. I guess. But they didn't do a holocaust. Did they keep Stalin money, I guess? Although, in the West, we don't exactly approve Stalin either. Uh, but <laughs> who's, who's somebody bad in the West we could talk about who's uh, sucked? Did they keep the royal family? I'm sure they were dicks at some point in time. Uh, fuck those guys. <laughs> That's so funny that people in Britain actually still care about the royal family. It does, it's so bizarre. Like, it is so, so bizarre to me. That all these people like line up for parades for like Queen Elizabeth dying. So many people care about the royal family. That all this honor and prestige. I'm like, why do these people care? Like, these people have have all these assets because they accumulated it from 
what was it called? What was it called? Abusing, like feudalism. Uh, like, yeah, from like <laughs> taking that from generations of your your family. Yeah, you it's guys like, are poor because they are like they're rich because you're poor. Yeah, like how they made it off the back of their slaves, and they do nothing for your country. Why do you have? It's, it's so cold. I guess it's like the Kennedys, or if like George Washington had a great great grandson, you know, he'd be like, "Oh fuck, it's fucking Washington, bro, bro, dude. What's it like?" Dude? Not, not, like, not really like that. He's six one. George was only six. You know, you fucking like high five him in the hallways. It's like the Habsburg family in Germany. Like they're still around, and people are still like, oh, the "Fucking Habsburg. Do you guys know Habsburg?" Like it's people it's, love people ethos, lo- man. People love the royal family. I mean, that's um. And I think we're just, we're just biased because we fought against them. We, yeah. we resisted them. Fuck them. Screw the monarchy. I mean, they're like our number one ally right now. But like, it's like it's like, it's like your your democracy. How can you even want the notion of the monarchy to be there? Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, they were given their power by God. Uh, <laughs> fucking, what are you stupid? <laughs> what are you idiot? What are you fucking dumb, bro? Everybody knows that, dude. What like um, you know it's something interesting. Uh, I talked about it on the last one, but like the Russian czar, right? The the name czar. And they name like the German Kaiser are just like they're the same thing as Caesar. Like they come from the word Caesar. Oh really? Yeah. And like like Czar is Caesar. Like that's what um I forget who It, it all comes like, back from Rome. Yeah, bro. All no. leads all roads lead to Rome. It, it was like after it was like the Czars, like one of when the Czars first started, it was because the guy who was had the was had the ability to kind of seize power said, Oh, my my father's wife married somebody who was in the direct bloodline of Julius Caesar. And so that's one of the reasons why he had the claim to power because it was an internal conflict and he used that to get people to rally behind him. Like it there is like that entity of like the holy lineage that is very very real, you know. It's crazy. It is crazy how much leads back to Rome. Hey man, like, like the the way the US government is built, you know, the the royal families across Europe. The you know, fact that there's churches, their churches in in uh, Israel were built by the Romans. You know what the you know the Third Reich, right? Uh-huh. You know what the First Reich was, Rome. Uh, it all lead, that's right. All roads, all Western roads lead back to Rome. I'm sure the fucking Chinese are like, man, fucking Rome. They keep talking about it, bro. Like, Not that cool. <laughs> Just jealous because you didn't have a Rome. I mean, they had Mongol the Mongols, but like. They didn't, they weren't as cool as Rome. They were, you know, they didn't <laughs> settle down and make something nice. <laughs> but like, yeah, man, it's, and I wish I had studied more Roman history because yeah, just the, 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 I mean, isn't that like the, like our columns, like, you know, the, the columns are Roman columns in all of the United States, like Capitol building and the Lincoln monument or memorial and all that Jefferson Memorial. Pretty sure, yeah. They're all based on like Roman architecture. And you're like, Oh my God. Fucking Christmas, uh, based on like the pagan holiday of Saturnalia because the Romans, the whole reason like Christianity is so dominant in, in Europe is because of the Romans because fucking Constantine was like, Hey, you know, they got something good going on. And like, that was like St. I forget what his mom's name was, but she's the one who made all those fucking churches. But, like, it's all fucking Rome, baby. It's all Rome. And then, you know, it's crazy, though. You, Do you ever just spend a Saturday night and just think about Rome? You think about what the Washington Monument is an Egyptian monument. You're like, why? Why do we have Egyptian architecture uh-huh. for... And that's the only that's the only monument in all of Washington D.C. Everything else is a memorial. The only monument in all of Washington D.C. 
Washington Monument. What's even the difference? Memorials um, recognition oh, of sorry. someone. Monuments more like a you're a lawyer. You know verbs matter. Verbage matters. I guess memorial is just like anything in remembrance of someone. Versus a monument is more like stands for them. Symbolic or I different. I think I, I'm sure there are more reasons behind it, but I think one reason is just kind of setting him aside as one above the rest, uh-huh. the the alpha of the pack. It's also the tallest thing in Washington D.C. Nothing in the in the city. Or whatever the district can be taller than that. Oh yeah, what the hell is up with the one dollar bill having that the weird? Oh, the pyramid. It's like a Masonic thing. I yeah. forget what it's called. Dude, with the eye. Dude, what the? What the? Why is that on there? Mm, Egyptians, much? Hey man. No, I, like, like actually, it's uh. Oh, the Catholic, uh, the Catholic Pope this week just banned. He says in um, what's it called in console. It, you can't you can't be a Freemason and a Catholic at the same time. It's a in, what I forgot was in conflict of interest. Yeah, but there's a word for it. inconsolable or inconsolable. Inconsolable. It's it means inconsolable. I think it's inconsolable. Inconsol- yeah. It's inconsolable. You cannot be baptized Catholic and in be Congress? a Freemason. No, I think I don't know. The so there's some, there's some hostility there. But yeah, but it's like what the fuck is what are the Freemasons doing? Because all I know about Freemasons is they're just like. All white dudes are just like, yeah, some, like hanging out on the weekends kind of shit. Dude, like, they what are they so doing? so secretive, bro. Like, and it's like, why? And you they, look run, at, they run the world, baby. If you saw, was it in, uh, was it in Philadelphia? We saw that giant ass fucking Freemason building. building. Yeah. You're yeah. like, holy fuck, dude. And they're everywhere. They're all over America. I mean, because it's like a bunch of our founding fathers were Freemasons. You're yeah, like, yeah. what do they know? They what they're this, not telling us. Yeah. The whole, you know we're we're gonna look back. We're not. We're gonna be dead. But one day, people are gonna look back and like understand the actual roots of our country. Because we have the whole we have the judo, we have the Christian Judeo um, influence, we have the Roman influence and everything. But nobody talks about the Freemason mm-hmm. itch because all these guys are buddy buddies in, in Washington D.C. Yeah, they all knew each other, same clubs. They they were and they were nobody secret society. Dude, nobody talks about that Freemason influence. No, but <laughs> no, but genuinely, doesn't that interest you? Like, no, that. Well, I mean, the Egypt because I think they're related to the Egyptians too. So it's like, what the fuck do they fucking know? What do they know? What do they know that they're not telling us? What do the globalists know? They're fucking. <laughs> Have you seen the Alex Jones clip? Liberal, liberal, gay, gay, child genital mutilation, fucking <laughs> vaccinate the poor, liberal, liberal. It's fucking. But like, yeah, you want to know, like. What is it? What is? I mean, there's theory. Like I talked about it before, but like there's theories of like Egypt is way older than people theorize it is, or like you know allegedly theorize it is. Like common knowledge is you know six thousand years old. But other people say there's evidence that it's over twelve thousand years old. And they're like, oh well, civilization wasn't that advanced. And then you have a Gobekli Tepe, which they which is proof that it we know it was twelve thousand years old, and it was these huge monolithic sculptures going on. And they're like, oh, they're just farmer you know, hunter gatherers who just decided to move these multi-ton stones that are intricately carved from a quarry like oh yeah it sounds very hunter-gathering to me and then everybody's like hmm what are they hiding why are they denying it you know who's doing the lying makes you fucking wonder bro that's and that's one of those things too it's like you know are the objectives of the freemasons aligned with the true hidden objectives of the united states aristocracy that's then promoting our war in israel Mm. Mm. Oh. Man, 
man, I hope I don't get shot, bro. <laughs> let's, uh, let's just keep fucking animals. World peace, bro. Like, no. Freemasonry. Freemasonry is a good... Are they, we don't know what their stance on animal fucking is. I'm sure we could get the gist of it. Um, but okay. I mean, I think that might be a good place to end it. You um, covered a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. If I, if I keep going, I'm just going to come back to fucking animals. So stop. I can't stop. It's a disease. I don't stop. fuck animals, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways. I th- but you know supposedly me thinks you doth protest too much like uh, you know at this point what nobody's gonna believe me anyways uh nate dog do you have any closing statements for the people before we go anything you want to tell your goat lover I, I, that was a great talk <laughs> all right well thanks for joining us ladies and gentlemen <laughs> kiss kiss love 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 nate dog out